Royals and Ghouls. Lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, this is the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's go! It's the Boo Crew Podcast, episode number 16. We are joined by musician, singer, writer, director, and artist who's taken the influence of sci-fi and horror and has become an absolute pop culture icon in not only the world of music, but of the Comic-Con culture. Their latest album is called New Wave. We talked to Power Man 5000 Spider One. This is the most fantastic story I've ever heard. And every word of it's true, too. That's the fantastic part of it. If you are a skeptic when it comes to ghosts or love a good true ghost story, you are about to hear one of the most convincing tales of paranormal activity that any of us here in this group have ever heard. I despise the word treat, but I will use it here. You are in for a spooky treat, courtesy of the Spider One Bakery. But first, let's get into Galactic, shall we? You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here, my friend. Can your heart stand the shocking facts about grave robbers from outer space? The Boo Crew dusts a fright flick off the shelf for Horror Homework. We are blasting off to the place where no one can hear you scream. Outer space for (laughs) sci-fi horror. Wow. First up, let's see Leo. My sci-fi horror pick comes from 1997. Talking about Event Horizon. It came back abandoned. Any crew? Negative. This place is a tomb. But it didn't come back alone. Captain Miller! I've got some problems here! Wow. I don't think I've seen Event Horizon. No. I saw this movie in the theaters. It was a screening. I was so excited. I'm like, great, this is a movie about black holes. I went in (laughs) and like, dude, 20 minutes into the movie, I'm like, oh, shit. Shit, what am I, what's going on? It was like one of the creepiest, scariest sci-fi horror things I've ever seen. Break it down. In a theater, man. I think you have Event Horizon buddies over there. Yep. Uh Right back, yep. We saw two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. and I'm not I, alone. In I also saw it in the theater and scared the shit out of me, dude. And so I wanted to revisit it and see if it held up. Let's go back. This is 1997. Paul W. S. Sanderson. It's got a pretty good cast. I mean, you have Lawrence Fishburne, you have Sam Neill, you have Kathleen Quinlan and Joey Richardson. You have a solid cast, and you have the sci-fi movie. Yet the critics really hated this movie. Mm-hmm. You got trashed. But then we look like what twenty some years later. You know, it's got a cult following. Oh yeah, like a big one. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it, it tanked in the theaters. Came out on DVD. Became a hit right away. Yep. So they went to make a director's cut, and they lost all the deleted scenes. <laughs> yep. So when the the first cut happened, it was 130 minutes. But because the uh, the production was so rushed, they had limited time to edit everything together. You know why it was rushed, right? It was this Paramount Studios, and they were actually stressed out because of Titanic. Titanic was not going to hit the release date. It was taking so much longer. So they were really stressed about that, and they really rushed this movie. So this movie suffered. And or were- did it? <laughs> yeah, obviously didn't suffer too much. Well, that's because the, the essence of it is amazing. Comes out in 1997. It's still using practical effects. The models of the ships are beautiful. So they shot it in the Pinewood Studios in England on the James Bond 
soundstage, which is the biggest soundstage they have there. Built all these big, beautiful sets. So the story of the movie, for anyone who doesn't know, is basically there's a ship called the Event Horizon. It takes place in 2047. So there's a bunch of text on screen in the beginning. gives us some backstory. In 2040, the ship goes out to the orbit of Neptune and vanishes. And then it reappears seven years later. The movie starts with this crew as a rescue crew. You go out to the ship to rescue any survivors that might be on, on board. And when they get there, all the crew is gone and they don't know what's going on. So it's basically like this haunted house in space and then becomes more Hellraiser in space. Sans Cenobites. Because <laughs> that was the thing that Anderson said is he didn't want the original script had aliens that the ship had gone away and come back with this alien entity that was terrorizing people. But he didn't want aliens because in his mind, there's only one alien in outer space, and that's the alien from Alien. Yep. The Xenobite. Not Xenobite. Xenomorph. Xenomorph. <laughs> <laughs> the combo. I confused the two. So he did a, a rewrite and took them out, and so that you never really see the entity. It's just this malevolent presence on board that came from this other dimension, and it just starts fucking with you who does uh, the creature effects or is there a creature there's definitely the special effects sure yeah bob keen oh yeah bob keen mm-hmm. he was yeah. the effects consultant and he's his history of work is amazing he worked on the original star wars mm-hmm. he worked on alien he worked on hellraiser and he worked on event horizon yeah. <laughs> he did a lot of that yeah, a lot of practical effects which really are beautiful and then the production designer was uh joseph bennett yep. and his work was modeled after uh notre dame cathedral so it's very gothic, gothic and yeah. heavy and medieval, medieval revival style. So a lot of that stuff, you're like, you see spikes coming out and like really ornate production design that you're like, what is this? It's almost like we're in like a castle, but we're in space. Yeah, but it's yeah. in a ship in space. Yeah, That is really cool. I don't know how I completely missed the boat on this. In real life science, we have uh, the term event horizon. Which if you study space uh, astronomy, black holes, a black hole in space is known as something that it is so powerful in gravity that not even light can escape it. Let's say, in theory, if you could travel to a black hole, there's a point of no return. Once you cross that point, you're not coming back. Like, that's the end of you. They call that the event horizon. So, <laughs> I thought, hey, I'm going in to see a sci-fi movie. This is awesome. Right. <laughs> I was like, fucking, this is scary, dude. So the ship, so, so off of that, right. the ship creates a mini black hole yes. in order to travel faster than the speed of light. And the ship is called the event horizon. Oh, okay. Yeah. So cool. that's what happens. So the ship goes out to Neptune, creates this mini black hole, disappears for seven years, comes back, And everyone's gone. And what it's done is it's gone into what it seems as though it's gone to another dimension, which is sort of this hell dimension. Right. There's a video log that they finally unscramble and kind of see what happens. But also the entity is just messing and everyone sees these hallucinations. But the hallucinations they see are based on their own personal story and their own guilt. Yeah, so fears, this, yeah. yeah, this guilt-led thing. There's one character who actually confesses the thing he's guilty about, and then that thing stops affecting him, which is really interesting. They keep referring to it as hell. The gore images that they keep flashing to and that people see in uh, in their hallucinations are very... Uh, extreme. Super extreme. <laughs> they're they're kind of like a, a, um, a Bosch painting. You know, it's like, the, it's like the gothic versions of hell, like the paintings of what happens mm-hmm. in hell. Right. Very like Clive Barker... Yeah, that's yeah, what it's totally. that's what it, the vibe I'm getting. Like totally. if you were to take Clyde Barker and then like 
hit the 20x speed and make it faster. <laughs> like you see blood, guts, shit, the eyes coming out of your mouth yeah. and face, and you're just like, what the yeah. hell is this? So the idea being that, that the other realm is, is total chaos. Right. So the malevolent energy is just chaos. So instead of like a Jason or a Mike Myers, uh, Michael Myers, Mike Myers is funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> so instead of like this physical persona of evil, there's no persona at all. It's just this this feeling of evil. So it's there's one guy who actually goes through the black hole and comes back. And when he goes into this trance, he talks about the darkness that's within him. Like the evil in this is the darkness that's within us. It's so heavy. And then it's wrapped in this super hokey 90s science fiction package. <laughs> that part didn't quite hold up. <laughs> There's some really, really hokey lines. <laughs> yeah, there is. It's endearing. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but here's a good story about the gore. They shot the film for like like 80 days or something. They shot yeah. the main unit. And then Anderson, the director, worked with the second unit and shot two weeks of just the gore stuff. But because of that, the studio never saw the dailies. They saw the dailies of the main unit, but they never saw the second unit dailies. <laughs> right. So they had no idea what he had shot with the gore. So when they finally put their assembly together and they saw it, they were like, whoa, 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 this is insane. Yeah. You can't yeah. do this. So they had him cut it way back. And that's when they started chopping out all the stories. Like they just cut it way down. I can't imagine like what they cut out because of some of that stuff that's in there is pretty graphic. It's You're intense. like, they, they did that. Like they yeah. have like hooks in people. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like very oh, S&M yeah. right. gore. There's a little bit of like, I mean, I know some of his influences were like the shining and the haunting. Right. So there's like epic scene, kind of like the shining where there's some lots of blood. <laughs> oh yeah. So, there's, I can't imagine like what else was, I mean, I'm interested to know like what else was cut out, you know? And uh, those deleted scenes are gone like forever. They're gone yeah. forever, but there's a rumor so that sad. there's a VHS copy of his yes. original edit. Yep. The 130 minute version that he still hasn't seen, but the producer, I guess, has it. They're calling it the version that you'll never see. Damn. <laughs> it's not helpful. That's uh, what it's called, yeah. <laughs> For now. All right, I guess I'm up. You're so, up. we watched separate movies because I couldn't stay awake. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. It happens. <laughs> Lots of kids, tough week in the Shan household. So. Barking dogs outside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, crying kids, shit. I'm bringing it back to 1998's The Faculty. The students at Harrington High have always suspected their teachers were from another planet. Is this going to be on the test? This is the test. This time, they're right. Oh, oh yeah, nice. yes, I like yeah. that too. Okay. Yes, yes, she did. She's not a Christian. Okay, yeah. I really. Yeah. Okay, it's super fun. Yeah, it's really cool. And I was trying to think, did I just like this because I was 18 and everything was fun when you're 18? <laughs> 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 so I went back and I watched it because I didn't have to concentrate super hard on it because I've seen it. I saw it a lot. I really liked it. And it starred Elijah Wood, Josh Hartnett, like a bunch of 90s stars, Jordana Brewster, Clea yeah. Duvall, Laura Harris, Salma Hayek was in it, and Usher. It was released Christmas Day in 1998. David Wechter and Bruce Kimmel wrote the original draft of the script in 1990, but nobody bought it. After the movie Scream blew up, Miramax bought the script and brought in Kevin Williamson to do rewrites. 
They kept the story, but changed the dialogue and added some new characters. And you guys know Kevin Williamson from I Know What You Did Last Summer, Vampire Diaries, and Dawson's Creek, which I love. (laughs) And Robert Rodriguez was brought in to direct because Williamson wanted to direct his own script, which was Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Yeah, he was part of that 90s, late 90s horror revival thing. It's basically about the principal and the faculty. They're getting all alien-like. <laughs> they're, they're, Isn't that uh, Robert Patrick? Yeah. Yes, yeah, he's D2. the coach. Yeah, he's coach. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. They're trying to infect all the kids, and there's a group of kids that have figured this out and are trying to stop it. And it's just really exciting, and you're just trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And they have this thing called scat, which Josh Hartnett makes, and everybody. It, has an effect on the aliens and people that have turned into aliens and it's just really fun and I enjoyed the music because it was super 90s and (laughs) yeah it's a great soundtrack stabbing westward on that yes yep there's that one stabbing westward song that was in like every 90s uh, team trailer I can't even say (laughs) yeah every single one that's great yeah so I definitely think if you miss this movie and you were born maybe later you should go back and check it out I mean if you want something fun and sci-fi Sci-fi. Sci-fi. That was probably the first Robert Rodriguez movie I ever saw. Probably my I'm trying to think. Was it before? It was before From Dusk Till Dawn, wasn't it? Yes. It was after Desperado. Okay. Yes. I think it was El Mariachi, Desperado, and The Faculty. And then then The Faculty. It might have been the movie that sent him back to Texas when he said, fuck this Hollywood shit. Oh, really? (laughs) I just want to also say there's this scene where one of the teachers gets beheaded in a car crash. And then she walks and picks up her head and puts it on this like alien thing. And it's really cool. And it's kind of like an homage to like the reanimator and the serpent in the rainbow. Also, it was originally titled The Feelers. And it was Josh Hartnett's second feature film. And Jordana Brewster's debut in a film. So go check it out. Cool. Faculty. That's a good one. Yeah. Woo. Right on. Well, the one that she fell asleep to <laughs> <laughs> that I continued watching that I'd never seen it before. The 1988 fantasy horror science fiction comedy Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> nice. Wow. You want to play games? Messing with the wrong guy. What are you in for? Killer clowns from outer space. It's crazy. Have you guys seen it? <laughs> Not yes. since 88. What? No. But you did see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Did you see it in the theater? <laughs> no, no. I saw it like as soon as it hit VHS. Interesting. Yeah. I, this is another one of those movies that, you know, classic movies that I never got around to seeing, which is good. I mean, this show, because of doing this, having to go back and watch some of the stuff I just happened yeah. to miss is a great opportunity. Let's see. Written and directed and produced by the Chiodo Brothers for two million bucks. It made four million when it hit theaters. It has now kind of become a cult classic, obviously, generating action figures and merchandise and they're talking about a sequel they've been talking about a sequel ever since this one came out (laughs) and they they keep saying it's in developmental hell that's their kind of standard answer that they've been saying been rumors that it was going to be a 3d version or a requel so yeah the Chiodo brothers they opened a shop back in 1982 they do 
primarily animatronic creature effects, stop motion puppetry, clay molds and things like that. Worked on movies like Critters, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Team America World Police. Oh, wow. And Killer Clowns is the only movie they did entirely on their own. And it was inspired by a discussion the brothers had about the scariest thing they could ever think of. And that was a clown driving in an invisible car. (laughs) 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 Which is a scene, a great scene in in the movie. Stars Grant Kramer from New Year's Evil and Suzanne Snyder, who is in so many great 80s horror films. She's one of the girlfriends in Weird Science. She was in Fred Decker's Night of the Creeps, which is probably one of my all-time favorites. A UFO shaped like a giant circus tent lands in a small town, and the spaceship is inhabited by clown-like creatures who harvest humans for their blood into giant cotton candy cocoons, and they shoot the humans with popcorn guns. (laughs) (laughs) So how can it not, how can this not be fun and campy in every possible way? (laughs) I found that a lot of the attempts at humor for the first 15-20 minutes or so, I think this is what put Lauren to sleep, it was pretty slow. The funniest parts were the unintentionally funny parts, and the wonderful campiness of it all amazing puppet work in the bathroom scene it's probably my favorite scene from the whole thing <laughs> what the Chiodo brothers did with the faces of the clowns and what they're able to do as soon as the clowns show up like 15 minutes in I was sold it was amazing really imaginative super colorful the sets everything's all handmade by the brothers themselves fun fact they reused all the masks in 1991's Ernest Scares Stupid which they also worked on to make the troll characters that appear in that film the movie was filmed about 20 minutes outside of Santa Cruz in a city called Watsonville except for the last scene which took place on the Santa Cruz boardwalk, same place where they shot the Lost Boys. We've actually been fairly recently, and it looks the exact same, which is really kind of cool. It's got an amazing theme song by L.A. punk group The Dickies, Mm -hmm. who were approached just with the movie's title. They hadn't even seen any cut of the movie. They hadn't even started filming the movie yet, and The Dickies came up with the theme song, which has now become classic. The funny thing is, right after I watched this movie, I was doing a little bit of research on it, I learned... That coming up, depending on when you're listening to this, Saturday, May 19th here in L.A. is the 30th anniversary celebration of Killer Clowns from Outer Space. They're doing a screening at the Montalban Theater in Hollywood. And John Massari is a fantastic score, all synthesizers. He actually reworked the whole score for the Hollywood Chamber Orchestra. They're going to perform the score live to film. And the Dickies are also going to be hanging to play the theme song live. A sequel's on the way and we got this big screen. I mean, maybe because of the 30th anniversary, they're back out in the open again. And part of the conversation again, I think that uh, it's going to give a good push for a sequel. I think we'll see that yeah. soon. Yeah. It's going to be, be something. Amazing. Yeah. So there you go. Killer clowns from outer space. Well, we would have to be total morons to believe this clown invasion yeah, crap. If there are killer clowns running around here, then I'm Porky Pig. The Boo Crew Podcast. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio, he's the frontman of the band Powerman 5000, a project he started back in 1991. They basically owned the Boston music scene. It was in 99 with their critically acclaimed album Tonight the Stars Revolt that everything changed. It went platinum. Their videos were blown up on MTV, making him and the band superstars on the global stage. Since their inception, they've released close to a dozen albums, each one as inspired and inventive as the last. 
constantly on the road playing some of the biggest festivals in the world. Our guest tonight is not just a musician, lyricist, and vocalist. He's also a gifted visual artist, writer, and director of multiple projects, including the cult MTV Cops and Monsters series Death Valley. Horror and sci-fi themes run thick in all he does. Power Man's new album, New Wave, is out now, touring in support of it in a city near you. We are honored to welcome Spider One. Oh my God. Can we, just, can we just end now? Because I feel so much better about my life in the last 15 seconds. God. Well, now we, did, we talk about Harry I mean, Potter. But the thing is, you just set that up, right? Like, I feel like I'm just like this. 15 minutes ago, I was on the couch watching a Shark Tank marathon. Right. That's my life. Wow. It sounds amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah, it does. I, didn't, I almost didn't want to leave. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Awesome. It's good, good, good time. Okay, what were some of the earliest memories you have of being exposed to sci-fi and horror? Oh, uh, well, I grew up in uh, a s- small town called Haverhill, Massachusetts, which is, there was uh, no record store, no movie theater. It was just so you either hung out behind the dumpster and smoked <laughs> cigarettes or you escaped into the world of whatever, TV. So I spent endless hours in front of the TV. It's funny because my parents were never really into that stuff. They weren't horror movies. They didn't listen to music. They didn't do anything. My dad went to work and he came home, read the newspaper and fell asleep in the chair. But I do remember being super little and then watching Star Trek, which is weird because I don't think they even like Star Trek, but, the, but Star Trek would be on. And so that I feel like was one of the earliest things, seeing the original, you know, William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, Star Trek stuff. So and that coupled with an early exposure to comic books. You know, Marvel right. Comics was really like the thing for me. And um, so I collected comics. And I think that at a really early age, I drew all my own comics. I was like six years old and I had my own comic company called Frightful Comics, <laughs> which, in my, yeah, which in my mind was going to take down Marvel and DC. <laughs> so I, and I still have all these comics. You know? no, yeah, wow. so they're, they're just like, and so I would just sort of like do weird ripoffs of Marvel stuff. So I, I was like, I like the Hulk, you know, he's cool. So I made the Zonk. You know, and, <laughs> and he was green and big. And so, but I just, uh, I think that, yeah, comics and just, uh, and just endless hours of TV were like the first real things. And then of course, like the big things for all of us, like Star Wars came out and all that stuff. So it was just like, okay, now it's a whole different thing. Now, were there monumental kind of cinematic discoveries you made as a kid that helped kind of form your whole tastes after that, like on your own living in a small town, probably access to a video store. One of those things where you work your way through the entire, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, look, I think two things. You know, as anyone in this sort of age range of me, you know, it was about going to the video store and you'd instantly head to the horror section or the sci-fi section and look for like the most disgusting artwork you can. And that's what you brought home. And no one, you know, because you didn't have to be 18. No one, at the, you know, the 16 year old kid running the counter at the video store didn't check your ID. So we would bring home all kinds of really disgusting horror movies. And that was, you know, in HBO was another thing in the early days of HBO. They, they would show like a lot of horror movies and they would show them over and over. Well, I saw Jaws in the theater. So that was one of the earliest things that really like, you know, blew my mind. But I would but I would watch Jaws on repeat on HBO and I would actually record just the audio with a cassette player. This is how like pathetic my life was. (laughs) And so because we didn't this was yeah, I was like this is even before we had a VHS player, right? So I would sit there with a little tape deck. I'm doing the motion like anyone can see me. <laughs> Pressing play and record at the same time. And I would record the whole movie of Jaws on cassette and I would just listen to it over. And I had at some point I probably could do the whole movie from front to back as a kid, you know. So there were so many of those things that, you know, in watching things probably 
at a really young age that I shouldn't have been watching. You know, there's like that 70s aesthetic, not even necessarily horror movies, but, you know, like whether it was Kubrick stuff, like watching Clockwork Orange at like as 10 year old, like, and, you know, or The Exorcist or whatever, you know, and all those things, just that 60s and 70s aesthetic that was just, that's what kind of burned into me as what is the, like sort of like the pinnacle of quality. You know? Yeah. What, what is there any uh, kind of video nasties that you remember in particular? Like a uh, basket case or something yeah. like that. Like were you guys finding stuff like that? Yeah, of course. I, mean, I remember, I, mean, I don't remember, I haven't seen them. Like uh, it was Motel Hell. Yeah. Of course, like Pumpkinhead was a good Yeah. One. And then we'd always get the Faces of Death series too. Oh, I, I remember that. I remember those. Yeah, were, those yeah, yeah. Re- were those real? They were supposed to be snuffed That was a conversation. Right? right? That was, were they real or weren't they? I don't know. I because I remember the one that I questioned the most. I'm sure that if you guys you, you know, everyone refers to the monkey brain. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or anybody not familiar with the eating the monkey brain scene? Like I remember, like a circular table, right? Awful, and people are sitting around the table, and there's a monkey with his head right sticking up yep. in the middle of the yeah, table, yeah. and they're hitting the monkey with a hammer, <laughs> yep. and then they eat its brain. And so I don't know if that was real or not. I don't. I, I want to say that one might have been the gag, you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they said the later ones apparently were all gags. Yeah, after the first one was a hit, but there might have been some actual snuff films in the first one. Because it was what it because it's been a long time. It was a lot of people getting hit by cars and things like that. that. Yeah. People yeah. falling, yeah. you know, from great heights. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of like YouTube. Yes. Yeah. Right. yeah, exactly. I remember yeah. like being exposed to a lot of horror stuff and things like Faces of Death and the really trashy, low budget horror films. They'd be traded around on VHS cassettes. Like I'd get some fifth generation copy that came from. The, I was living in Canada at the time. We'd get a copy from the states that had like Luther the Geek on it with you know maybe Toxic Avenger and like yeah. uh, Bud. Dwyer. I don't know if you guys remember Bud Dwyer. That was a senator or something, and he shot himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. On live TV. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll tell you what. I saw that, and that, like, ruined me for a week. It, yeah, me yeah. too. And I'll tell you, this, a good story about that, how I, I was on. This is crazy. Good thing you brought this up. Cause, so, in, uh, God, I had just dropped out of art school, and I had nothing to do. And it was, uh, Rob had hit me up, and he's like, we're going to do a tour. This was, like, right when they started White Zombie. It was probably, like, 19... 19- 87 or something so he's like you want to go drive you want to drive the van and i was like oh, okay I got, no- I got nothing else to do so we went on this tour of you know the midwest and so we ended up they did a show outside of chicago or something it was opening it was not opening it was them and urge overkill remember that band urge yeah. Overkill? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and this was like before anybody knew any of these bands right like everyone was just starting and we you know of course we didn't have hotels or anything so we we ended up crashing at this guy's house who happened to be this guy steve albini hmm. who went oh, on, well, on wow. to produce i knew him from the band big black and so he had a little home studio there and we like slept on steve albini's floor that morning the I think it was the, I can't remember his name, the guy who sang for Urge Overkill. He's like, check this out. And he puts in this tape. And I don't know what I'm about to see. And oh, he didn't and tell it's you. That, and it's just horrifying. Oh. Have you seen this? I still have vision of it, you know, just like a faucet, right? Of blood. Yeah, yeah. Out of the guy's nose and eyes and just, uh, just, that nah, was awful. Being raised on a steady diet of horror films. You'd think something like that, you might know what it would look like if it really happened, but it looks nothing like you'd think. Yeah, in the movies, it's like the nice splat against the wall, and you know, it's not like that at all. (laughs) No, it was horrible. And just the the lead up to it, he's got the the, the manila envelope, and you can tell he's really nervous, you know, and then he just pulls the gun out, and you can hear everyone behind, like, no, 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 you know, and oh, God. 
Thanks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I remember watching that and my whole body just yeah. getting hot. Took and I was just like, years to get over it. Oh, oh, like it was yeah, just, it's just brutal. terrifying. Are you considering all the, all the uh, movies that you watched, were the movies just cool to you or were you like, fuck, some of this is scary? I never really found anything scary, but I did have, I was terrified to see The Exorcist. And I remember this too, clear, like I was, because when The Exorcist came out, uh, what was it, 75? 73 73 73 yeah. so like a really young little kid and so but there were all these stories going around about people freaking out when they saw it. like i had a friend whose mom was really religious and apparently she went to see it and then the story got back to i don't know if any of this is true but she like had a nervous breakdown and she was in therapy so this is in my mind that this thing is just like <laughs> and gonna so, fuck you up I know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so i so so i would be home the tv ads would come on i couldn't watch them i have this clear memory of beautiful summer day like shooting hoops in my driveway by myself with a little like radio playing and the a radio ad came on for the exorcist and i got so terrified like i dropped the ball <laughs> ran in the house like just, and so that movie for me was the one that was like it was just because of the mystique around it and it and it really is still a pretty terrifying yeah. movie oh, to yeah. this yeah. day it really is a and i think of why is why is that movie so scary and i think there's a couple of reasons one is that you always do have the sense of like, even if you're, you know, you're not religious, you don't, you have that minute sense like this could happen to me, you know, like this yeah. is possible. Yeah. And so there's that. And then I think the other thing that's interesting about that movie is that the characters in that film, the mom, are really well-to-do, competent people who can't control the situation, right? So, yeah, like, right, right. like a lot of times, you know, you're, you get to the 80s where it's, like, teen <clears throat> horror flicks and, you know, they, they're really incompetent, dumb teenagers doing stupid stuff, getting killed, and you kind of expect that. But when you see people that that should be able to control the scenario and they can't, there's something, you know, more frightening than to that. Yeah. That hopelessness yeah. and the helplessness that you get watching. I get the same vibe watching nightmare on Elm street movies too. Oh yeah. <laughs> she can't even watch, that's, that's the one she can't even watch Elm street. Movies. Really? No. She loves horror movies. Cannot watch Elm street. No. What about them? I think I saw them way too young. Like I right. saw, I was probably like seven. And so, I had just turned on the TV and I saw this guy killing someone in their dreams. And to me, I, you're so vulnerable when you're sleeping. Yeah. And just how do I get out of it if he's, I just thought he was real, even though my parents swore up and <laughs> See, I met him and he was not very nice and he totally played on my fear and scared the shit out of me. Who? Who? Robert. Oh, he he tried to scare you. Yeah. No, he didn't try. No, he, he did. No, he fucking did. scared her. Yeah. He, he scares yeah. me because he never stops talking. <laughs> <laughs> a few times I've met it, it's like. <laughs> no, but he and he also looks like Freddy. Yeah, he his sure does. Face like his just facial features. Hmm. It's just Doctor Drew like said I should watch the whole movie and. We've talked about this. I think I should maybe just what he wants you to face your fears. Exactly. Yeah, he thinks if I see like the completion, mm. well, there's, like, there's no resolution. Yes, I mean it ends with the uh, realization that he's a child molester that was murdered by the parents. Yeah, and, sorry, spoilers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then it ends. Does it end happy? No. Fuck, it's amazing. Wait, you haven't seen the full any of the movies through? No, I've seen one? like pieces i don't even know i've seen one where he's coming out of a tv mm -hmm. dream warriors okay i saw that one like that, that little either. piece and then i saw i think there's Patricia one in Arquette a gets her head in the tv 
That's right. Academy Award winner, Patricia. Oh, that's right. Wow. See, that'll get you out of the story a little bit. <laughs> so that's interesting because, so what's, let's send it around the room, huh, shall we? <laughs> but, you know, because I feel like there's two kinds of scary, right? There's like a home invasion film, right? Sure, like yeah. Strangers there's, or something. Or there's yeah. the more, uh, you know, uh, metaphysical, whatever, you know, like uh, uh, exorcist, yeah, paranormal. Or, you yeah. know, so what's, like, which one, so clearly we know what scares you, right? Like more. Yeah. It's just, and I think it's based on the fact that I was so little when I saw it and it just, it stuck with me. I don't like the home invasion stuff as much. Yeah. Because that's, that's real. Well, who likes that? Well, <laughs> right. 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 You but know that, what I love? <laughs> good home invasion. Oh, man. Is there any such thing as a bad home invasion? <laughs> but yeah, those movies that sort of celebrate the idea. I mean, they're good. I mean, they can be good movies, but yeah. just that. That to me is more scary than paranormal or right. things that I can sort of compartmentalize. Those exorcism movies, I can't barely even watch still. Yeah. Just because we actually had an exorcist yep. uh, as a guest. It's crazy. I mean, just looking into like the Vatican and what they feel about exorcisms and they believe in it. They believe it's a real thing. They're actually having a conference. Like the Pope is having a conference to train more priests on how to do it. Cause I guess there's 500,000 cases in Italy. Jeez. <laughs> that need like exorcists. Well, why Italy? It's an interesting question. I'll tell you why, man. Because I looked this up. I'm going to have to tell you. Where my family is from, they claim is the birth of witchcraft. Okay. Really? Well, yeah. So there's a lot of occult activity, mm-hmm. which is really weird because it's, it's on the back steps of the Vatican. So literally. So it's a battle. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, no, it's really, it's really bizarre. It's, it's, it's true, man. That, uh, what was her name? Amanda Knox, right? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. case, you know, they thought there was a lot of, you know, occult stuff going on. <clears throat> oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the exorcist that was here, her name's R.H. Stavis, and she just wrote a book called Sister of Darkness. She does exorcisms out of her back house. Uh, oh, wow. in, I think Van Nuys or something. Uh, Studio, Studio, Studio City. 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 Yeah. So, yeah, she wrote a book about, you know, the exorcisms and stuff that she does. And at one point, so like, how do you protect yourself against this stuff? And she rolls up her sleeves and all up her arms were the seals of Solomon, mm-hmm. like all tattooed, like all these symbols that are made to summon and control demons. Yep. And she said she had to like ask for permission to get these things. Cause even if you draw these symbols, like that painting right there, actually this, this guy's the queen Victoria had a personal occultist named John D and uh, he has a painting behind me here and he's doing occult magic for her court. And he actually, was doing he would do angel magic and like claim to be able to talk to angels same thing if you even draw out some of these symbols apparently it could harness crazy shit but yeah there's a lot of a lot of people who believe in that and i for one am too scared to mess with it (laughs) to find out right exactly you're you're afraid to have an opinion yeah exactly right (laughs) it's true because if you say it's not real (laughs) exactly exactly i'll tell you what that's interesting it reminds me of something christine sitting here this is not a possession story, but uh, I don't know anybody's take on ghosts or like, I don't know what a, they're real. I'm doing an air <laughs> right, right, right. ghost. No, like, <laughs> I never had an opinion, right? Because I, I sort of come from the school of sort of no matter what it is. I always feel like anything's possible, right? Like, are there aliens living? On, it's possible. Are there, you know, yeah. so ghosts, I always felt like, eh, I don't know. I have no idea. Possibly. Christine, who's sitting behind me, lived in this building called the Broadway, which any, for anyone who lives in L.A. probably knows it. It's, it's in the corner of Hollywood and Vine. It's a, yeah. It used to be an old uh, department store. Mm-hmm. So she had a, a loft there. And um, it was haunted. I can tell you 
without a doubt, 100% from a person who was like, like, yeah, what I absolutely believe there is, we witness things there that there is zero explanation for. Like what? Well, I'm sure he was getting there. <laughs> well, because well, I trust you. No, like, and, and, that's, you and, that's, and that's the thing because, the no, and that's the thing when people tell you that you want to go like, because eh, I've actually had some other stuff happen to me before, but this was so fun not to her i thought it was amazingly fun like that it was happening and <laughs> i was, stuff was no. being proved right and i was kind of bummed that because it was right in the middle of her getting ready to move so it was like oh what would have happened next <laughs> but um so it sort of was a progressive thing it, so christine always felt like there was a weird vibe there right but then that's not a proof enough it's like oh yeah this is weird. and there were also there are stories of that building being haunted and there's Stories of somebody falling down the elevator shaft and Jeez. things like that. So there was always like this, you know, in the in the guys who ran the valet were like, oh, yeah, we, see, you know, see things. But you never you're like, OK, fine. You know, because you hear that a lot. Yeah. But that's how it starts. <clears throat> yeah. So, <laughs> so it would start. It sort of started with because at the time I, I wasn't living there, but, you know, I would she would call me and say like. Oh, that's see the lights are flickering. There we oh. go. Yeah. Yeah. Starting. They followed us. <laughs> sort of starting out with like, there's something weird here. There's in the in the cats are acting weird, and but you know, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, fine, yeah, it's weird, right? And then and then then there was a, a night where she was working on Pro Tools, right? And the, the Pro Tools started doing really crazy things on its own, like with no, no explanation, sounds coming through, no recording going on, but. But I'm still like, oh, you, you hit, you know, you you did something wrong. Sure. Like, so I'm still like, you're being really skeptical. And then I think that same night, she went to text me, and she picked up her phone, and in the the little area where you text was the name of one of my kids, but she didn't text it. But still, I'm like, well, you maybe you said his name in the voice, you know, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. continually trying to. So like all these things are high, but you're still like, eh, no. And then then when I'm like, holy shit, something's going on. So she sends me, she texts me, holy shit, check this out. And she sends me a video of uh, I'm try to explain this clearly because I know we're not. So by her front door is this little ornamental thing you hang your keys on. And so there's probably like four different keys chains hanging on it and but only one is swinging like crazy like a pendulum like really fast so she comes walking across the room filming it we still have the footage of this somewhere filming it and filming it and and i think the thing went on for about three and a half minutes of just what until she just finally stopped it So I'm like, that's fucking weird. Like, a, it would naturally stop itself. Gravity yeah. would. After yeah. three yeah. fucking minutes, especially. Oh, my gosh. So, wow. but, it, but I'm still like, well. You're still like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Air conditioner. Yeah, maybe one of the cats strategically hit the one key. You know? <laughs> so anyway, so so this is, I'm sorry if this going too long. No, I love this story. Um, this is awesome. So then it goes to this. So then this is where I'm like, this is shit's happening so so i'm over one night and i start sort of noticing that the picture like anything everything hanging in her place it's always fucking crooked like it would drive me crazy but i never thought about it because pictures can go crooked. Yeah. yeah and um so i say out loud like oh this like why is everything always crooked 
And there was one, uh, we, I had bought her um, uh, an autographed uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre post, frame poster, big heavy frame hanging. And I even said out loud, it's weird, this poster is always crooked, but always this way, like to the left, straight. Like, I don't know why. So I straightened it, right? And then I go around the corner to where the bed is and straighten these other pictures that are always crooked. I come back, no lie, it's crooked the other way. Like as if like, <laughs> fuck you, right? Oh my God. So I'm like, <laughs> so I say out loud, I'm like, okay, ghost, check this out. So this is, and this is all hundred percent true. So we get packing tape, right? Like the big thick packing tape. And we tape the Texas chainsaw poster straight around the edges <laughs> right so we so it's taped to the wall right and we hang out for the night we go to bed and uh i get up in the morning before her she's still in bed i get up to make coffee i still get like like my hair and oh my, my god yeah so i go around the corner and i look at the wall the posters off the wall what? not off fell on the floor broken glass off the wall, I'm trying to set this up, leaning against a trash can, against a pillar, about mm, three and a half feet diagonal. Like, there's no physical way this thing would have fallen off, bounced, you know, yeah. <laughs> two and a half feet, landed neatly against this pillar, leaning on the trash can. And the nail is still on the wall, but pushed neatly flush into the wall. Oh yeah. my god. What about the tape? What about the tape? Was the tape on it? The tape was still like on the, wow. you know. So I'm just like, oh. <laughs> so I wake her up and she's like, fuck you. Like you did oh. this. You're trying to, I'm like, no. Like in this, so, so this was the point. I'm like, this is, there's no way this would have happened. Like there's, no you explanation know, behind no, that. No, no, you know, physics involved where it could have, I wish you could sort of see what I'm, I'm seeing. And nothing was broken. The thing wasn't. It, it literally it floated off the wall and was rested neatly. I wish you had like a camera set up, like a I nanny know, right? cam. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now we know something's up. So now we're sort of trying to, you know, like, like we, we, we'd go out for dinner and like set chairs up and like mark them to see if they'd move and things oh, like you know, yeah, just kind of fun, to, yeah, yeah. So um. So the kind next big one. I know. It's <laughs> kind of fun. Well, I, right? I, I, trying I, to trick it. It's like I thought it was kind a of poltergeist. Fun. Right. Yeah. Um. And so then there's another time Christine's getting ready. She's uh, in taking a shower. Me and her friend are waiting for her because we're going to go go somewhere, whatever. So she gets out of the shower and we're just and we hear again being like, fuck you guys. And like, what? She's like, come on. So we go in the bathroom. And so I'm going to set this up to the top of the mirror. There's a there's a big mirror in the bathroom and the top of the mirror is probably because these are lofts. So it's really high up. Like you couldn't reach it. You know, you'd have to stand on the counter or stand on the, the sink. And and so we go in there and written at the top of this is all true. I have photos of this, too. So at the top of the mirror in the steam, in the tiniest little skinny, you know, whatever you call it, I don't know what you call it when you write in steam, with your finger. Um, yeah. It says hi. H.I. is clear as day. And we're just like. And as we're, this is all true. So as we're looking at this going like, what the fuck? We can see, no lie, we see little finger imprints in this, like in the condensation on the wall above 
the uh, the mirror. Oh my! Like gosh. you can see them, like being oh, like what? Like you actively oh, see yes. them being pressed? Yes, like little, oh. like yeah. all, nothing to something. Yeah, like little. Yeah, and so wow. and then I'm like, and I and so then I put my finger, you know, like to compare in the steam, and you know the it's like twice as thick, and there's it's like a little oily because it's your finger, whereas this one is like super thin and just bone dry, you know. So again, no possible explanation for that. Like yeah. who's writing in the steam? <laughs> and we see, yeah, wow. when, and you could see the little as if the little I mean, we we determined it was like a kid, maybe like a little girl or something, and because it felt that you know, and so that steam right it happened again with me, and it was almost like they didn't get it was like an S and another half of a letter, and then they stopped. Like I, I, maybe I interrupted them, so we never got to know what the next message was. It's gonna be spider, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we actually were thinking like because we were get, getting ready. Well, she was getting ready to move. We thought maybe it was saying like stay or something. You know, I don't know. Yeah, you know? maybe just sup. Sup. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Sup. And, uh, and then finally, like the last thing, which isn't as dramatic as the other two, but we we had moved everything out, and the last thing left in the apartment was the computer because we just wanted to move that on our, on our own. And we went back to get the computer, which at that point been covered, kind of the screen was covered in dust because we've ever been moving and just in the, on the computer screen, the dust was just all these weird, like symbols and just written with someone's finger in the, in the dust of the computer. Wow. It was so crazy. And it was like, like I said, it was one of those things where, you know, being like a, a logical person, like you start, you're always looking for how this happened, but there were too many things in, in, in the picture moving and the writing in the mirror. There was just not, there was no other explanation that it was some other thing doing it, you know, ghost for lack of a better term. Yeah. So did you ever think of like getting out a Ouija board or anything like that? I don't know. I think Christine was more scared than I was. Yeah. 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 She lived there. I could go home. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. You're like, ah, oh, see ya. Have but fun it, tonight. But it's, it's like, it's kind of exciting to, uh, because there's so many things in, you know, that you don't know, right? You're like, I don't know, maybe. And it's kind of, I guess I've, I don't know if I feel better about it, but I do, there is some sense of like satisfaction to that. I, if someone says, do you believe in, I'm like, absolutely. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. What? Long story. Sorry. Wow. No, I love that. Was awesome. Crazy man. Story. Now, being someone who's been on the road and in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, all the time, I'm sure in a van somewhere, there's got to be something that's happened on the road that has been a terrifying experience, whether or not it be paranormal or just some. Well, I mean, we've never been to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. We did play a venue once that uh, that was apparently haunted, and and we saw something crazy we were uh, sound checking it was a venue i'd never been back since and it was kind of like a weird venue we probably shouldn't have been i think it was normally like a blues jazz club and so they had a a piano sort of tucked on the stage in the back and on top of the piano was one of those um i don't know what you they're like chimes you know what i mean like yeah uh, that you'd run your hand down or, yeah. i don't i guess they're called chimes but and so we we just finished sound check and i was standing on the floor of the venue looking at the stage and my drummer was sitting behind the drums and we were having a conversation and there was no sound, no vibration, no, you know, wind, no doors open. And the wind time just went like, 
like suit, you know, clean as anyone ran there. And I was just like, did you see that? And he's like, yes, I did. <laughs> and so we turned to the bartender was and we were like, what was that? Like, is this place haunted? And then he's like, yes, it is. He's like, we see, we see bottles flying off the shelves. We see apparitions on the stairs. We see, so I wish I remember what, I don't remember what venue it was, but it was, that was another one. Like that's a pretty good indication that something's going on. Wow. wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, these are great. These are great. <laughs> <laughs> I love this stuff. I love it. I love this it. one time there was this guy who was burned from head to toe. <laughs> I was sleeping on the bus. <laughs> I'll turn your mic off, Warren. I'll turn your mic off. Nobody's attacking me. And then there was and then Johnny Depp showed up. <laughs> I heard he's in yeah, he's in that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> There's bands like Alice Cooper, bands like Kiss. A lot of these bands didn't often carry into their music and lyrics the kind of aesthetic they kind of took up. That's another reason I found Power Man 5000 and what you do very innovative because you've found a way to kind of do all that, yeah. you know, make it kind of an all-encompassing experience. Is there anything that started that for you? Something that turned a light on in your head was like, I got it. I think it was just honestly, like sort of in reference to lyrics and stuff. I think it was honestly probably my crippling fear to be like, sing about my actual real life, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And also the fact that I thought there were a lot of people doing like, like I was like, you know, am I really going to write a better love song that already exists? You know, so I was just interested in all this stupid stuff, right, that shaped my life. And I thought and I also thought there was a value to that. And I thought maybe other people could appreciate that. And it's funny, I saw that early. It wasn't really a direct influence. But now that I look back, I realize another act that sort of did that in a sense was the Beastie Boys in a weird way. Like they would reference like Kung Fu movies and, and I, and I realized that like the cool thing about that and what I wanted for my own band is that I wanted anyone who liked the band to not just like the music, but to feel like, I think I know that dude. Like I, you know what I mean? I love, he knows he's seen the same movies I've seen. And I, you know, and I think that to me, that was intentionally trying to build like a more Con, a, a better connection with anybody that liked the band. Sure. You didn't have to be into that stuff, but if you were, it, it like provided this other layer than just singing about like, you know, partying or something. Right. You know right. what I mean? And so it was like, <laughs> and I was, so, you know, and again, like it was also, it wasn't like a, you know, I'm going to try to be unique and do this. It was just sort of naturally happened that, you know, you, you sort of look to your surroundings for inspiration. So I'll be like in the early days sitting in my apartment in Boston and, there's a Jaws movie poster. Let me write a song, you know, and I'd like start write, like incorporating lines from Jaws or whatever into lyrics. And uh, it was almost also like a puzzle for people to, f I liked when people, you'd go on the road and somebody would be like, I know what that's from or I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I just, it was just something that I guess was a natural thing for me to, the way to express myself you know would you do that sonically with the music as well like when you guys are writing stuff or would you come up with an idea like hey you, you know use this sound that reminds me of this movie or anything like that would it go that far too oh yeah and we would take we would i mean obviously sampling yeah we, stuff we like would that. sample stuff that would be you know incorporated in the music we would also even just while we were writing you know i remember we wrote when i did the i was, it was like somewhere on the other side of nowhere it was last 
back a few records, but we, uh, my guitar player at the time, we wrote it all in his place and we would just put on in the background, like Godzilla movies and Ultraman. And so like, you just sort of had this <laughs> you visual. Absorb it. Yeah. And so when you're like trying to write a song and you start, and it looks, oh, yeah, like it went well with the visual, then you knew you sort of were onto something, right? Like, cause it just had that, that vibe to it. But I know what you mean. Like I like when you mentioned like kiss and stuff, like right. the funny thing about like, cause when I was a little kid, like kiss was like, that was one of the earliest things that I, cause it, cause of the visual. But you're right. But if you take away the visual, <laughs> they're kind of just like a crappy rock band. Right. right? Yeah, like, exactly. like, they're not that good. Right. Um, I mean, I just said. Right. No, I. I yeah. And I what I mean, by, I mean that in the nicest possible way. <laughs> yeah. I, what I mean by that is like, they're, yeah, they're not. I mean, they had like, you know, there were certain maybe a few songs that. If it wasn't for the visuals, though, yeah. Kiss wouldn't be Kiss. No, right? it, it, yeah, the it, songs might. Have, who knows if they if the band would have done as well? Well, do you I remember mean. that period where they took off the makeup? Well, yeah, yeah. that's the that proof the, right there. Yeah, like, they it, took the makeup off, it, and then they were just like, oh, they're just another band, like in, yeah. in the eighties. And so, yeah, there was something about trying to create this band that was everything. I wanted to like sort of make no mistake about who I am, and I like when things feel like it comes from a really singular perspective. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, cause then it's like either love it or you don't. And like, but there's no, de- you know, no denying what it is. Right. And then, you know, your fans, right? Yeah. And, I, and it's true. And I like the fact that I like, I take pride in the fact that I've, if I go on YouTube and look up search power man stuff and people make their own stuff, it's always like, they'll take a song and cut it to like anime or they'll cut <laughs> yeah. it to like, you know, like <laughs> superhero movies or, you know, I like, I like that, that we are that band to a lot of people. Oh yeah. You know what I mean, I think that that's a cool thing. And and there was a moment, well, there's been a lot of moments when I wanted to just quit, but um, pretty much every day. <laughs> but, uh, but I do remember there was a stretch where I was like, eh, maybe it's time to like do something else or whatever. And, and I went to, uh, actually went to Comic-Con and it was like, you know what? Like, this is like, I would, I know I, I was really inspired being there. I hadn't been there in a long time. I think this was like 2007 or something. And I was like, I got all inspired to all these people came together and all the, just, and I was like, these, this is, these are my fucking people. You know what I mean? And then I went home and wrote the song Supervillain. And, oh, wow. and it sort of reignited like this excitement for the band for me. And then we, you know, that was four records ago. So I'm still, yeah, might no. be time for another trip to Comic-Con. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I great. was going to say that it's really only one of the, literally, not just to blow smoke up your ass, but it's one of the only bands out there that could be called almost a Comic-Con superhero band. There's not many bands out there that can have a song in Freddy vs. Jason, Dracula 2000, yep. WWE stuff. Yep. And the production value of the music as well has always been so high that it lends itself to trailers and yeah. action. And oh, it's, yeah, it's super yeah. visual. I mean, it yeah. makes sense as you describe the process because it, it does is, translate visually. Which is funny because so many guys and girls in bands are tend to be into sort of like you know nerdy geeky stuff but a lot of them don't i don't know if they're like afraid to show it or something but i you know i always thought that was such a cool thing to to be you know right because you know it's also i always we talk about back in like the way it was <laughs> <laughs> but i do th- it is interesting though when you think like when i was little like being into superheroes or whatever was not fucking cool like you you know it was not like now it's you like heard back then like everybody yeah. has a you know every kid you know who's in this you know fourth grade has a spider-man shirt you know what i mean or whatever but back then it wasn't like that and so it was something that was like you kind of like fought for in a sense right because it wasn't so readily available there weren't all these billion dollar movies and all it was a very like you know secret club almost you know and and yeah no one thought you were 
cool if you were into like you know, like <laughs> I remember I had this shirt I had this shirt as a little kid it said like sci-fi freak or something <laughs> and I would wear it to school and I would just get so much shit for it you know? well nowadays all of Instagram is full of like cosplay models yeah, and, you know what I mean I mean it's it's. A, I, I think it I don't know I don't you know it's like anything you, you, you sort of are happy that it's sort of become this big thing and people that you know can actually make a lot of money from this you know mm-hmm. But also, you know, you always have that. It's like a band, right? Like when you find an underground band and they get big, there's like, you're happy for them, but you're kind of like, oh, it's kind of cool when they, I just knew about them. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Like, I, have a, I have a similar feeling like with, with all genre stuff, you know. It's but. also, all this is also given a real timeless quality to your band, though. The audience is always going to be there. And you've given yourself kind of the freedom because of your music and aesthetic to dance around this world basically forever and yeah. to modify based on what's going on. And the, you know, the genres are always going to be there. It, it's, it, and you know, know what it does, too? Like, it just makes it more fun, honestly, sure. yeah. because it's like, you know, it's fun to like, I don't know, just you can do that stuff. Like my the jacket I wear on stage for this tour, there's like an incredible Hulk patch and a star. You know, it's like it's fun to do that because it's just and it's also cool when people see it and they like they point it out. And, you know, I just I just wouldn't want to ever, ever do anything band or otherwise where it just feels like, well, we can't do that. Right. You know, like that. Yeah, that's net. People aren't going to like that. You know? It's like, eh, who cares? You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's just like more just amusing yourself than anything else. You know? Right. Talk to me about how you came up with the whole Death Valley concept. It was back in like 2011. It ran for a, a season on MTV. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Great yeah, show. Man. Yeah, so dude, seriously. And yeah. a lot of people want it to come back. Yeah. And it's, I mean, yes, especially please. now with like Walking <laughs> Dead and everything like that. Like, why the fuck not would yeah. it come back? I can tell you why it went away. Because MTV just told us like, we're going 100% female programming. And, mm-hmm. you know, like halfway through the season, we're like, oh, God, we're dead. But you had cool female <clears throat> characters. Yeah, I mean, we it was, we did. We had, you know, it was, uh, I'm trying to think how it actually began. I think I just sort of was in, like anything I do, thinking like, oh, I want to have a TV show. And just like, I want to start a band. I have no criteria, no <laughs> business trying to do it. I have no qualifications whatsoever. And, and I remember buying a bunch of, um, like, how to make a TV show books, and I would read them, and they were just like, well, first you've got to do this. And then you've got to be a writer's assistant for 14 years. And then you got to do that. And I just like literally threw the book in the trash. <laughs> so I had no other, I didn't know. I was like, I can't do that. Like I'll be dead by the time I am a writer's assistant. So, um, so I ended up, um, had this idea, this is sort of like, basically just saying like the show cops and instead of meth heads and drunk drivers it's zombies werewolves and vampires and just make that concept with the camera crew following and so i got a meeting somehow with um this company called original productions which is a big tv production they but they do mainly reality shows they did like ice road truckers and all that stuff Mm -hmm. but they're a big company and i and i met with them the next week we're like showtime and sci-fi network pitching this thing but i had no i don't i didn't know how to pitch it i didn't know any i was like literally a week later and so we went and did these meetings and it just felt like we i went back to original and i was like i don't think anyone understands this like we shouldn't we like go make something or and they're like no we don't do it that's not the way it's done and so this, this is long enough ago where we're sort of like pre not pre youtube but pre-YouTube in the sense where people make stuff, put it up and get like directing gigs. And, you know, yeah, yeah. it was sort of like if I go into a pitch meeting and say vampire, I don't know if this execs think in Bela Lugosi or thinking 30 days a night or, th- you know, like who knows what they're seeing. So, 
So I said to original productions being like completely naive, I was like, all right, well, thanks guys, but I'm going on my own. They're, they're probably like, what an what idiot. idiot. <laughs> <laughs> we just had you in Showtime last week. <laughs> so um, full circle, Christine here. I met Christine at a party for uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Okay. All right. And so Christine, I'm talking about this mysterious Christine. But she, uh, <laughs> so we were at this party and being socially weird, I wasn't talking to anybody. She wasn't talking to anybody, but we sort of gravitated towards each other. I was like, well, what do you do? And she's like, oh, I'm an actress and musician. And, and I'm like, oh, what, do you, what were you in? And she's like, well, I was in one of the Underworld movies. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's weird because I have this show idea about like vampires and stuff. Ah. So we became friends and we shot together and a few other friends. Like we, so, so anyway, so I'm like, I'm going to go make something. And so I like borrowed a camera and a friend of mine was like, oh, I have a friend who's an actual cop. I'm like, oh, cool. There's one uniform. Like, <laughs> so, so then we rented another cop uniform and like glued a mustache on the guy. And we shot this scene at uh, the Quality Inn in Burbank. So I rented a room oh, nice. <laughs> to shoot. This. Is that the one by the Jack in the Box? Yes. Or no? Yes. Is that the yes. one? Oh, that that one. Gosh, yeah. the police are always there. Well, they came that night too. So, <laughs> so, so, so we go in. And I, already sh- I already shot, uh, I had already shot uh, a zombie scene with my, my then tour manager <laughs> who, <laughs> who is like six foot five I'm like you're the perfect zombie so we and I had some friends who do some makeup so they did this great zombie so we shot the zombie thing and then we set out to do the vampire scene where uh, Christine was the vampire prostitute and, uh, and so these cops come and uh, you know to, to interrogate her about you know blood for sex and all this stuff so all this backstory for Death Valley and so uh, so yeah so we're filming and we're being like loud and, and so the real cops show up and so <laughs> this is the best part. So we're like, we don't want to get chilled. We're like, Christine, go hide in the bathroom. Oh gosh! She, she have like fangs in, and yeah, blood, fang, and- but but we don't want to see like. So so the cops come in, and here's the scene. So she's hiding. So it's me, this super dorky guy with a camera. And two guys in cop uniforms. <laughs> so clearly we're shooting gay porn. Right? Like, and so, it was so embarrassing. But, uh, but yeah, and then like one guy's, you know, the real cop, he's like, I'm a real cop. He's like, but you know, he's like, and he's yeah, like, he's like, sure. And they're just like, like these two Burbank cops that show up, they're just shaking their heads. Like, they're just like, just keep it down, guys. Like, so, so yeah, so that was, a, so we made this thing and so, in, in, it turned out great like it was and so we cut it to basically we made a trailer you know and uh, we, we made this little trailer that like it was super cheap all told probably spent 500 bucks on the whole thing you wow know? and uh but it really captured like the aesthetic of what it was but i still didn't have any a clue as to what to do with it so the guy who helped with the makeup said well i know a guy who runs a production company so a tv production and they were another like ma- mainly reality stuff so i went to them and showed them the thing and they were like this is amazing like we love this and so i'm like, cool let's try and do something with it and then nothing happened and like a year like i want to say like four years went by it was just nothing and i was kind of like eh like i guess this isn't going to happen and then one day an exec from mtv calls my friend at the production company who used to work at mtv so he calls and he said listen we just aired dawn of the dead and our ratings spiked so we want to, we're thinking about doing like a horror show. And so my friend 
at the production company, he goes, great, because he's all into horror movies. So he starts sending him all his pitches, like, I got this. And they're like, nah, got this. And like, no. So he ran out of his ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so finally he goes... Well, I do have this one other thing. This guy's spider. It's just like this cheapo trailer. He's like, well, send it. Send it on over. And he sent it. And the, the executive MTV is like, I want five seconds in. I was like, I want this. And, wow. Yeah, and that's how, and so it was like six years of just this kind of juggling this weird idea. And then it just happened, you know. So it was cool. I mean, it was really great and it was and it was right pre a uh, walking day it was like all it was right there but it was just you know right time wrong place but i mean uh, you know to mtv's credit like they just let us do whatever we wanted to do they never really gave us too many notes about anything um and it was great. and it's funny the things that they were worried about like we would we would submit a script and we're expecting like the the gore stuff to be like oh you can't do that but they never like we would have a scene like cop punches through zombies face comes out the back of his head shoots other three other zombies <laughs> and they're like that's fine but they're like yeah well page four you can't say titties you just can't <laughs> wow <laughs> like, okay so it's you know so it, but so that you know it was, so they just let us run wild with the gore and uh and but it was a really again a really crazy experience and it was for me it was the first time i'd ever done anything like that so again through my like naiveness and coming from music where there's not a lot of tiptoeing in music you know it's like i'm used to you suck <laughs> so i'm like dealing with mtv execs like being like fuck this like i'm not doing this is you're gonna root and everyone's like you can't do that like you have to send an email and be really positive and i'm like no, no. <laughs> the whole art of dealing yeah. with everything but i right? didn't the know machine. how to do that so i'm like no i mean because yeah, there were so many moments i'm like i fucking quit like i quit if this is what it's going to be fuck the show i don't want to do it right and, and i managed to like win 99 percent of the battles just from being i guess an asshole <laughs> <laughs> now what was your involvement once the show kicked in and there was cast and everything what what became your role on the show were you on set every day with them or when they, they would film or did how did it work yeah, i mean i inserted myself in every single thing I, and it was funny the first thing i learned is once a show you get a show it felt like it was going to be a big show like the ratings were really great and like everyone was super like they and so what happens then is everybody starts trying to it's, grab it, right? Yeah. It's my show. Yeah, yeah. And so like, there's this weird, like, cause I was like, I want to do the theme song. They're like, well, you know, like you start getting like, that's might be a little too much. You know, like, <laughs> so like, so there was a lot of that, but, but in terms of my involvement, like I would involved in every casting decision, every table read, every wardrobe decision, every, you know, I just, you know, on set from, morning to the sun came up and you know just because i thought like i'm gonna do it i want to be involved with it you know what i mean and and honestly i didn't really trust the judgment of other people on the show as much as i tr trusted my own of you course. know I mean? like there were definitely a couple people that i knew got it but then there were people that i knew didn't and you had to fight you know they wanted to do really weird <laughs> in the early stages we shot basically like a 10 minute proof of concept so it was just basically like three scenes that didn't really go together just to show what the, you know and so they're like we love this now turn these three scenes into an app a pilot episode which was kind of odd like now we have to sort of reverse engineer to you know make an actual episode but in the process of making this episode all the the, the handful of execs from mtv that were involved started trying trying to say we know what's going to get this green lit. like we know what i forget his name who ran the network at the time 
We know what he wants. And so they start going, you know what we need? A celebrity guest appearance. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, this is the last fucking thing we need. Like we have like, like cops, zombies, werewolves, you know, vampire. Do we need, like, it's not cool enough for you. Like we need. And so they start, Oh my God, these phone calls were amazing. Like sitting, I was like with the gun in my mouth, you know, (laughs) they're like, we need, so they started to, they start pitching, pitching this idea that the head of the vampire clan is going to be a celebrity. Right. So they start, I swear, I can't make this up. So at the time (laughs) there was a, a video, I think it was a funnier die video that one of our directors had done where it was called like undercover karaoke or something. And there was a really popular episode where Jewel, I remember that oh, yeah. so Jewel goes in, <laughs> they change her nose yeah, and everything. Saying her yeah, song. And everyone's like, wow, it's really Jewel. So they go, how about Jewel? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're like, how about Jewel? <laughs> She's really hot right now. Right? <laughs> she put out that funny video. Huh? I'm like, Jewel? Like, how does that make any sense? They're like, all right, all right, all right, all right. People love Jewel. <laughs> and then they start going, they're like, all right, maybe not Jewel. <laughs> like, the Olsen twins? Jeez. <laughs> Then I went to Larry King. What? Yeah. Wow. Like, and I'm just like, so we eventually do find, like, cause I know, I realize I can't, I'm not going to change their minds. <laughs> so we decide on Abe Vigoda, right? <laughs> so, which to me, I'm like, okay, I can wrap my head around. Cause the whole, if anyone doesn't know who Abe Vigoda is, he, he's an, he's now finally dead. But the whole joke with Abe Vigoda is that everyone, oh, he's dead, but he's, He's, he was never dead because right. he's been around forever. And he always, yeah. even when he was 40, he seemed like he was a hundred years old. Right. So I'm like, okay, well that kind of makes sense. Like the joke of that he, we thought, you know, you always think he's dead. So maybe he's actually a vampire. Right. So I'm like, all right. So we do, we, we bring Abe Vigoda in. <sighs> that, that was fun too, because he's essentially deaf, right? Oh, no. <laughs> so he, they start shooting the scene and he keeps like going, huh? Like, and I, and I'm laughing because I'm like, oh, he's improv. And then we realized I can't hear. So, so anyway, so long story short, we make this with Abe Vigoda at the end and it goes to the head MTV and his note comes back. He goes, what the fuck did you guys do? He's like, you had this awesome idea and you turned into a sitcom. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so from that point, I knew that, like, that I had to just fight for everything. Oh, you know? my yeah. God. But it was, yeah. Well, I hope, I, I mean, I hope it comes back. Now with Netflix and things like that, I mean, there's so many. Well, it's so not just many. that. We have, uh, what, we have Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah. Uh, Stand Against Evil. Dude, your show fits right there's in there. There's a lot yeah, of them. Yeah. Ahead of its well, time. listen, I'm on to bigger and better things. <laughs> <laughs> well, sp- speaking of that, it doesn't take much for the fan or layperson to go online, and there's all sorts of amazing pitch projects and trailers and little show samples that you've done, like Apartment 13 is yeah. out there for people to see, yeah. and Strange Planet. Oh, yeah, yep. Which is amazing. Oh, Seriously, thanks. amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I went on a tear just like filming a bunch of stuff, and uh, just... You know, always out there. I mean, it's, it's tough to get a show made, obviously, because not only am I out there, so is every other A-list. Because TV is where everyone wants to be, right? Yeah. Because film's kind of like, eh. You know, who wants to make a movie that doesn't want to even get in the theater when you can maybe get a Netflix show or something? Right, so, right. But so, yeah, I'm always trying to either 
film something or my new thing is taking a couple ideas and, and making them into comics because I feel like there's some stuff that's just too big to shoot. Like I can't, but you can draw it, you know, so I've been working on a couple comic book ideas as, you know, not only to maybe sell, but also just as a, as something to show somebody, you know, a visual idea of a, of a show idea and doing, you know, trying to get some animated stuff going. Yeah, I mean, can you talk about? I've, I've seen that trailer for uh, was it Little Scotty? Oh, Little Scotty Scott. Pony Pants. Yeah, I did a. Yeah, I did it's a, amazing. Yeah. Oh, thanks. And Chrissy's on there too, doing the voice yeah, of the she, cat, and and one of the nice. cats is actually in the. Yeah. Oh, that is one of your yeah. cats with the yeah. flying cats. That's we brought in a funny story. We went so we did. <laughs> So yeah, I, I did this little development thing with Disney Animation, and uh, Disney basically just brings you in, and and they say like if they like the idea, like they just give you some money and you go make it, like and they just kind of go make whatever you want. And so I partnered with this production company called Titmouse, who's done everything. They're awesome. So we made this thing called Little Scotty Pony Pants, which was basically like it's it's kind of like a drug run, but it's <laughs> can't, instead of cocaine, it's you know lollipops and stuff. So. Right, right. And the but, kid's uh, got like a horse head and a. Plunger. Yeah, yeah his, he has to infiltrate <laughs> Pony Island, which is inhabited by living, breathing candy and also like obese, really dumb ponies that are actually unicorns. But no one, it's like the joke is like, that it's like unicorns aren't real. So, but they actually are, they have horns. And so, so yeah, he wears this dopey rubber horse mask with a toilet plunger to like infiltrate. Um, but yeah, we brought in, we wanted, we want to watch it literally. They have a little pilot. Yeah. Thing. We wanted a, because why not? We wanted a flying cat to sort of narrate the show. Naturally. So we, you know, probably the most embarrassing point of this thing, we have four cats. So we brought in two of them to audition. <laughs> See which one did a better yeah. job. Why not the other two? Why, why those? Too much trouble. Well, Do they have to audition? And, and, and one of the cats that we brought in only has three legs. So... And he, wow. he didn't, because I thought that would be funnier, like a three-legged flying right. cat, you know, but he didn't get it. So the Aww. other one got it, yeah. <laughs> so our cat Otter is now narrate, sings the, the theme song. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, a whole thing. it's actually Christine's voice. Christine's just in every element of this. Right, movie. right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that was really fun. And that was like doing animation was really like, you know, I'd never done that either. But yeah. just story of my life. No qualifications, <laughs> just somehow managed to sudden. get in there. But it was uh, it was really fun, and uh, I almost felt guilty because it's like not that hard to do because I don't have to draw it, you know. So I was just like wrote the script and came up with the idea and directed the you know the voiceover stuff. But those guys are so good. It's like. It was kind of like directing voiceover was kind of like, that sounds good to me. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I would just like come up with something. Can you say it? Just, just so you could say something? The temp, pick the tempo up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of, and so that was fun. So yeah, so now I'm kind of hooked on that and trying to do some stuff in that world and I don't know, just trying to pay the bills. Wow. Really. And then you were, of course, FearNet had you as a correspondent for quite a while. Yeah, that was that was sort of fun. I think there was a I don't know if anybody remembers there was a, a website. It started as a website called Fearnet, and yeah. it was just a big horror movie website. And they needed a on camera person to go interview celebrities and do cover Comic Con and stuff. And, and again, no experience in that at all. But, <laughs> I mean, I but I thought I know how to have a conversation, so I could do that. And because uh, there was always rumblings that Fearnet was going to become a cable network. Yeah, I remember that. which they yeah. did. And so I hung around because I'm like, oh, once they become a network, I can pitch a show. And then and it literally became a network and then they fired me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, well, that was a waste. Of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't, it didn't last long anyway. But it was really, yeah, it didn't. But it was a really 
fun gig because I got to meet like like I got to meet Mark Hamill and I got you know like a lot of cool stuff and and I didn't in you know I approached it in a much different because I would do those press junkets and yeah. I would just show up completely unprepared but but I knew how to talk about movies and I knew how to you know so I think a lot of times like I would always get actors going like you, what are you doing here like right. you <laughs> <laughs> and I would always because the worst part of it was doing like red carpet stuff because well you got to be aggressive right they're not there I, to because talk because I've not to like be like oh but I've you know I've been like on the other side exactly like, so like I felt weird like I now like it and, and I'm always like and there were those inevitable moments where, like, I know this guy. Like, like it was awkward, right? Like, sure. Like, here comes Derek Mears. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you asking me questions? But, um, but I, would, I would always fuck with other people because they, they would always just hire, like, some dopey girl who didn't know anything about movies. And just because she looked cute on camera. And so I would just like feed them false information. Like, oh, like oh. while you're waiting for people to come down. <laughs> because and I, would, I remember this one time I was like, this girl, she didn't know it. And I was like, whatever you do. Because I'm like, do not ask him about the movie. She's like, what? I'm like, he's going to freak out on you. She's like, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, I don't know, but you just don't talk about the movie. And, she's just like, and then I'd wait till I'm like, I was just kidding. <laughs> it was just so, like, just, so, yeah, it was, and I, yeah, I was really bad at being aggressive. Like, if they didn't stop, I wouldn't try. Just like, fuck, the producer would be like, you have to yell. I'm like, I'm not going to scream at, you know, Whoever I right, you know. Kane Hodder. Hey, yeah. don't talk to me for the thing. Yeah, so. but it was fun. Like it was. I really liked doing like the the goofy. Like we'd go to Comic Con and just improv and go around and talk to like. I had more fun talking to like kids in costumes and stuff. And yeah, you know, just. Kinda, I remember. I think you were. Did they send you to harass? A premiere of Twilight or something. I remember something to oh, do with Twilight. Yeah. That's right. Bugging the kids. They did. Yeah. Was it Twilight? I yeah. think it was Twilight. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Because I, I started to lose my mind. Like when I first started doing it, I tried to be like serious. And then when you can see me go off the rails, I think you can still like, there's a, there's one, uh, I had to cover the Wolfman movie with Anthony Hopkins. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the one where you can tell where I just like didn't care anymore. <laughs> like I'm like howling, because you know, like you know. But yeah, the twilight. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I remember the twilight. Yeah, they would just send me to stuff, and they would send me to. Uh, there's a film festival, and this was. I think this is what got me fired. They sent me to, <laughs> to Fantastic Fest in Austin, yeah. which is a you know big genre, mainly horror movies, and and I had this producer that I just hated this guy passionately and he would just give me um he'd be like tomorrow this is what you're covering and he'd give me a list of like 20 movies but wouldn't let me see any of them but he would go watch them oh, i'm like well <laughs> i don't know anything like because these aren't it's not like i'm got a star wars movie we can just you know you kind of know enough about yeah, to have a conversation and or... these are like underground horror movies oh. and, and they would have me running around and like like from morning to night and with no information, no one helping me with anything. I'd, I'd be all night like trying to like figure out anything to talk to these people about. Cause I wanted to like, as weird as the gig was, I had a, like a huge amount of respect for all these people to do, you know, you're making a movie. I want to go in there and be like, take this seriously. And, and then it was like, it was something like I, I hadn't even gotten to see like one movie. I finally, like there was the last night of the festival. I got to see a movie I get out of the movie and he starts texting me like, get over here now. Like somebody had shown up for something. I don't remember who it was. Like it, it wasn't even related to fear. And it wasn't even like, he's like, get over to the carpet. And, and, uh, 
talked to someone I was I forget who it was but and I was just like texting him back I'm like fuck you (laughs) (laughs) you want to talk to him go talk to him and I was like went back to my hotel and yeah I mean rightfully so I should have been fired (laughs) but I was just like I had it well good for you for standing up (laughs) like how many people would love to have done that right yeah (laughs) just but so um, I thought it was much more valuable than that to the company (laughs) I want to ask you so we had Chris Hardwick in here. Yeah. Oh, and oh he, yeah. He was talking. He was talking about you. He was talking about you, and he said that <laughs> you were in a haunt and you were working it, and someone punched you in the face. By punched ac- me in the face by accident. <laughs> was that? Yeah. Was that the Universal thing? Apparently. Well, he'd said. It, I think it was a, a House of a Thousand Corpses yeah. maze. Mm-hmm. And apparently Rob had reached out to a bunch of people like, hey, Chris, do you want to come and be one of the people in the maze? And apparently you were there, too. As Chris tells it. Well, people, he always makes everything so, sound way right, better. Right, right, right. <laughs> but as he tells it, you were punched in the face by a scared ki- well, teenager. I, I do remember doing the. Yeah. So we. Yeah. It was that first year Rob had that maze at Universal. And right. we're like, and so me and Rob went in, put the masks on and scared people for like an hour and a half. It was awesome. <laughs> But it gets exhausting. I'll tell you. Sure. Like, like yeah. after a while, I was just I wasn't even moving. I was just <laughs> I'm sure somebody punched me. Yeah, people freak out in those things. You know, yeah. what I mean? you go right as a voyeur, right? The Universal Horror Night. Yeah, Horror yeah, Night. Go every. Stuff. I don't know if you've heard of Christine. But, uh, <laughs> but we do, we've gone every what four years in a row or something or more than that. Yeah. So we did you knots or anything like that too, or just like uh, stick Universal? Usually Universal. Yeah. I'm starting to get like it, it's. I'm getting burnt out on it, but it's a uh, you know we we end up going every year. It's it's we got to do front of the line, right? Yes. That's the only way to do any yeah. of those things because you would yeah. never get in. No, in you, you can get sometimes you can get in one one, one maze if you my, don't do front of the line. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's not worth it. What's your favorite maze that you've ever done at Universal? Oh, there was one. Oh my, there's been a couple of good ones. Was there was one? I don't even know what the movie was. Oh my God, see this is great. Great radio here. <laughs> <laughs> Explain it. We probably know we've been uh, like, oh, I can't remember what it was. It was like maybe two or three years ago. And it was a film that I don't even know what it was. Like, I didn't see it, it was some sort of like weird, obscure thing. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Was it like Crimson Peak? No, the Krampus one was good, though. Yeah, it that was. was um, good. And uh, I do think I remember I think the Howling one was pretty good. Did they do a howling one, or am I rem- imagining that? Not since I've been. Oh no, 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 no! How American Werewolf in London, right? I think they did one of those one year. Yeah. Yes. 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 So that one was pretty good. But I do think they need to. I mean, it's so hard. There's so many people there, and I get like there's like, that's there's, the thing, man. Gotta be another way to what I feel like needs to be done, and I don't know how you would do this. Is I feel like the where they could really step it up is. Look at me. I'm just giving it. <laughs> now it's time for you to do your own haunted house. Too. If you, if you, I'm moving into the haunted house area. Because I feel like it's all at, like every experience is at the same level, like sonically, right? It never gets quiet. Like it never, it's like. There's no dynamic. So it's just like. Of, like that yeah. sound that's just blasting your head and every. And I feel like if there was a way that they could lull you into thinking like, okay. Quiet. You know, just like a real horror movie where yeah. then you get blasted. I, I just feel like it's all like, you know, on 10 the whole way. Right. You know? yeah. But I know I get the, I mean, it's just so many people and so there's only so much you can do. Right? You know what? It's also that kind of thinking of just blasting people with sound, unfortunately, is also where a lot of mainstream horror movies are going now, too. Yeah. Like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake was all that. Just scaring people with sound. There was yeah. nothing really scary happening on screen, but if someone fucking just turns up like, 
Yeah. Everybody's going to jump. What's the new great horror movie? That's a damn good question. We've seen some pretty good ones recently. I mean, Strangers. Pray at Night was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, we saw that. That was you, good. You saw Veronica. Veronica's great, man. On Netflix. The, the, yeah. the Ritual on Netflix ritual, is really yeah. good. What's this? I hear a lot about... It's like billed as like the new, like the exorcist for the new generation. Uh, Leo should know. Hereditary. Oh, Hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's coming. It's, it's coming. Good. Have you seen it? No, it's coming out. It's coming out, right? It was, I think too. it yeah. played like it's South by Southwest. Yeah. Sundance. Yeah. It played Sundance. God, what else have we seen recently? Did you like It Follows? Did you watch It Follows? Yeah, that was cool. I really liked yeah. It Follows. That was good. Yeah, I was actually surprised at the new Strangers movie that was pretty intense. It was pretty scary. Yeah, it was, it was well done. And it was interesting, like you realize that the entire thing is at night, well, let's call it pray at night, but, <laughs> but I mean, it, it starts messing with you, right? Like, cause there's no relief of light until the very last moment when she's in the yeah. hospital, but it's like, the, so the whole thing is in darkness, you know? Yeah. Right. It's cool. like, you kind of get lulled into this thing and, um. It also, I like how, what they did, um, you know, it's kind of, they use like old kind of John Carpenter synths and even the titles kind of look like yeah. they were like from the seventies or something. Well, look, everybody is right. Trying to yeah, capture right? that. I think it's, it's gotta be like a stranger things thing, right? Like, like stranger things captured that right. 80s sentiment and like people are so into <sighs> the nostalgia finding that, you know, like in. Even like uh, it's not a horror movie. I, w- I went to see that like the lit, that Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, and it's yeah. A very like weird eighties. Like almost feels like Flash Gordon. Yeah, you know the, oh, yeah, the Flash totally. Gordon movie, and it yeah. has Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo. I think did the music to it, and so it's like, but it's cool. Like, and I think people really, you know, and it, there's a reason why people want to grab because that stuff was cool back then. You know what I mean? It yeah. was a great time for stuff. So, Is it, do you think that's why they're going back to it, just for the nostalgia of people like our age who? appreciate it and who are, the, are, they, are they trying to tap into us because that's the people who are going to the theater still and the kids are streaming or like what do you think the reason is well, or maybe, is there a magic there that people were doing things that I mean I don't know for certain but I imagine that it's because the people creating stuff probably grew up during that time and they look to that as you know when things were cool and, and, and you know anyone in I think working in horror and sci-fi it's always sort of going back to a childhood thing right it's almost like you don't create based on your adult life like as you're saying like your your fear of friday the 13th or enough uh, freddy krueger is based on uh, you know like a childhood thing so like i feel like if i mean i don't know if the guys from stranger things grew up in the 80s but you know if they did then that's probably why you know they were born in the 80s Oh, well, then in their mid 20s. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, then they just watched a lot of Steve. I think Stanley what it is. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, it's there. There were good movies. Like yeah. if you look at the poultry, the poultry guys. <laughs> you can look at that, too. If you want. You can look at that too. <laughs> That's a whole other. Yeah. But, but poultry guys. <laughs> it is. A, it's a trauma movie, right? It is. Yeah. Guys. It's amazing. I highly recommend that. <laughs> There's not a remake, but there's a remake of Poltergeist, which was not scary. Right. And and it what's what you're talking about? It relied on all of the stupid tricks right. of just like you know modern like, horror yeah, tricks, just like loudness, but nothing happens. It's not actually spooky, right? It's just all of these you know and sonic the spookiness. Tricks. Right. That's that's what's been lost. The and that's yeah, and that's the, the first because they took their time, and then you do something like it follows, which is made in that vein, and it works brilliantly, right? And then makes a ton of money, and then people go oh. So I think that's what's happening now is the success of doing it right. We're doing it in that vein, and it, and it works really well. I think just we're getting copycats, but they're copycatting the right thing. And I, I agree. I think Stranger Things was a big part of that. Yeah, and I think Stranger well. Things, like you know, it was one of those things. Uh, you know, you heard so much about it. Oh, so great, so great. And a lot of times when you hear that, you go in your 
You're like, eh. But it, it really was, I thought, anyway. I don't know about you guys, but I, I thought it was great. You yeah. know, I really, yeah. like, I think, you know, it really felt like, a, it felt like what I felt like when I was a kid. Yeah. Growing yeah. up in that time, you know, really had, they got it right. And it's yeah. not easy to do, you know, <clears throat> oh, because yeah, it's, totally. it's, it's, it's easy to mess that up. It's easy to make it like the sort of TV version of what it used to be like. But right. The, they, Cheesy or campy or whatever, but there's, and you know, yeah. uh, what also got it right was the, uh, it remake. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. like yeah. I felt the same way, like with the two brothers, right. Like from the first scene, I was like, yep. Like this feels <laughs> right. Like they nailed it, you know? Yeah. And for such a big movie for, for such a, commercial film yeah it's sort of like shocking that it was as good as it was and as kind of scary and brutal as it was to me that movie is it's kind of changed the whole you know how everyone sees uh, the you know how the mainstream is seeing horror films right it oh, did so sure. well right. and yeah. it's changed so much for you, you know, know what else it might help hopefully and i haven't seen it yet even though we've had the screener for six months was a shape of water in which oh, it's so yeah, yeah. and i like that you know in his acceptance speech he made note to like mm-hmm. this is for genre filmmakers yep. and like and it's true because like as soon as there's some monster at a you know it's like nope this isn't a real movie you know and so it's it's like kind of shocking to see that win best yeah. picture yeah and yeah. hopefully maybe we'll change people's minds of of what that a movie like that considered a real movie not yeah. just like this movie over here that, right yeah. Yeah. right totally yeah, oh, like it's, the, it's beautiful like the other accepted that's what you know the monster movies are like the other and he kind of embraced i felt like the aspect of what the other is because like monster movies to me kind of symbolize like the outsider and i really th- I was happy that the academy kind of embraced that yeah it's yeah. A little shocking in a way yeah like it doesn't fe- it didn't i mean again i haven't seen it yet but uh, it doesn't seem like a movie that anyone would have considered right. or anything <laughs> yeah. right but well, it means there's gonna be a lot more monster movies <laughs> yeah. is what it means yeah. <laughs> i think you guys will love it <laughs> yeah. well let's talk a bit about the new album new wave yeah right from the get-go it's got this kind of heavy, almost like Devo. It does have a new wave feel, but it's like a new wave meets metal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it, like, why did you call it new wave? You know, and it, it's just because one, I think it's a, I like the fact that that term is never used ever. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like sort of just disappeared out of, you know, because people still say, oh, it's a punk rock band. This is, but no one ever says any, there's no such thing as a new wave band anymore. Right. But I always felt like that new wave, well, new wave was created for punk rock bands, right? Because punk rock was not acceptable in the mainstream. So, you know, they said, well, if we call it something else, then, you know, so all these bands like Blondie and the Cars and, you know, became new wave bands. And so I always thought that was kind of a funny concept. And also the fact that it was, you know, when I look at all those bands, I always feel like those are the bands that they weren't really rock bands. They weren't punk rock. You know, they didn't really fit in, which is how I feel like we have always been. We've always like one foot in, one foot out. You know, yeah, we can play the Ozfest, but we don't really fit in here. You know, we can. And so we were always that band that was just. So I thought like that the concept of sort of taking New Wave <laughs> as our own. Yeah. Know, is yeah. Kind of, kind of a fun, funny thing to do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it's not really like sonically. It doesn't traditionally sound like a New Wave record. And, you know, it's not like Flock of Seagulls or anything. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I do find like the, you know, that undercurrent quirkiness that's there too. There's a quirkiness and a groove that's there that you don't really hear. It's kind of like an anti-rock album almost. Yeah, I mean, look, everything, <laughs> I mean, for, from the beginning, most of the stuff we've done, there's always been rock elements of it, but it never came from there. Like that wasn't the starting point, right? Sure. Like, so in the early days, we were one of the, first bands to do sort of like the rap rock thing right yep. like 
you know, everyone thinks of like uh, Rage Against the Machine, li- yeah, and Limp Bizkit, Limp Bizkit, and all these bands. We were, you know, like, and not to say like, oh, I invented this thing, but you know, we were doing that in Boston at the Ratskeller in like 1991. You know right. what I mean? Before they became sort of like the thing to do, and so you know, so in the early days, it was more based around that, you know, because I didn't have any confidence as a vocalist, but I was like, oh, I could like rap, you know, or like I don't want to, I can't sing. And so, and then, yeah, then it became about the electronics and it became, so like the rock element, the guitar, the metal part was always like sort of like the secondary element, you know, whereas most bands, that's where it begins. So, so when you hear any of the records and, you know, you hear that, you hear the sort of influence of all those different things that come together and, you know, make this hopefully somewhat cohesive sound. (laughs) (laughs) And I like that, you know, look, I like, I like, I like when music is, you know, I feel like music for me is a physical thing. I was never the kid listening to like rush, right? Like in like, just like looking at the speaker, like, right. Mm, what's he playing there? Yeah. What's that? That's oh, that's a cool chord change. modulation. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like to me, it was like music should be like, makes you want to dance or makes you want to fight or makes you, you know, like it, it's a physical thing. So I always like to, you know, have that as be, you know, and I think that's lent to why we were always sort of involved with some of these soundtracks and cause it's a very physical sounding thing. Right. You know, and same makes, with the live show too. I mean, the band goes crazy. Yeah. Everybody's I want it to crazy. be, yeah. You want it to be, you know, this, this, uh, you want the crowd to, you know, you sort of urge them to don't just look. Like, yeah. Let's get, yeah. let's like become a, like an active participant in what's going on, you know? <laughs> right. Now making the album, being a band that's always kind of looked into the future while embracing the past, do you find it physically easier to make albums like you do now based on the fact that the technology is actually more accessible? You use a lot of electronics. It's always kind of been a trademark element of the band. Is it now become albums that you can do that, but you can fucking do it out of your house where yeah. the music that you made, you'd have to go into some fucking huge multi-million dollar studio, book out all this time. Is that changed now? Do you literally make this kind of on your own? This record we actually made in the house. You know, we, we had a guy rolled in a, a rack that was, you know, four feet high and he had enough there to make the record. And then we'd go record the drums later at someplace else. But it hasn't really made it easier because at the end of the day, you still have to write the song. Sure, and you yeah. have to, you know, and it always starts out really easy. Like you, like I always find the say, like the first song you're like, this is going to be so easy. This is, <laughs> like, like you feel, and then you get to like song six and you're like, I have no more idea. <laughs> and in fact, I think the first six songs we made are terrible. You know, you go through that whole thing. It just feels like, you know, after all these years, you think you'd be able to like, Sure. Yeah. Like put a record together. And, but it, that part never changes, you know, the, the process changes. Cause yeah, it used to be, you'd get in a room with your band and you'd jam. (laughs) What's that? (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) And, uh, we would literally like have a cassette player and record the rehearsals. I'd go home and listen to like three hours of crap, but then you'd Oh, Oh, what did you do right there? That was a cool riff. Then next time, all right, play that riff again. You know, and you'd, then you'd build songs and, and then when you finally had 12 songs or whatever, or five songs, whatever you wanted, then you'd go into a studio and you'd just set up and record it live. And that was the record, you know, because the first couple records we ever made were made, the first EP we made, we did in recorded, mixed, done, out the door in two days for 600 bucks, you know, because that's all we had. And and then the next one, I think we, we spent a week on, like, who you know, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you just play live and then maybe overdub like a guitar solo or a double a vocal. And, but that was, but now it's like, I kind of just write as you record, you know, you sort of start with nothing 
and you're like, okay, let's just give me a tempo, like, you know, or make a beat like this. And then you put it in and you sit in front of the computer and, and you just kind of make it up. But, you know, like I said, it doesn't make it necessarily any easier. It's just a different, different process. Different way of getting yeah. to, the same, yeah. to the same place. What about in terms of doing videos and being able to release content? Well, you can, you know, self-broadcast, really. You could make a video in your house and put it out the next day and not have to worry about going through the elaborate machine of a record label or whatever. How it, is that freeing? Or does it make it more complicated? I mean, it. Look, here's the thing, and this is this uh, inevitably get you get sucked into the rabbit hole of like technology, good right. or bad, <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, you know, the way I look at it is like the great part about where we are now is that we've done it. Christine, have you heard of her? But we we've, <laughs> we've made new album out came yesterday, right? <laughs> right. right? Yeah. We, I mean, we will be sitting around the house and we'll be like, make a video, and we got to get the you know this Canon 70D and. <laughs> throw a black sheet on the film me do you know and then like put it in final cut and and we make a video like well, you could never do that never before, right or same thing with recording a song like open the laptop and right so, and you sure couldn't get it out to a million people yeah. in, in the next hour that stuff is amazing like it just like i think back to the little kid me that just oh. would like you know you wanted to make a movie like you'd set your toys up if I could just film this yeah. the greatest movie ever <laughs> but you couldn't really do it right like so like all that stuff who can complain right like there are people making movies on their phone you know and, yeah. and so that stuff's great right but then the second part of that is the part that just kind of like is less fun in a sense like I was talking about someone someone yesterday about this like this idea that every song in every album, every movie, every is at your fingertips. Like, to, I can go home and watch, listen to anything, I want, which is like, how fucking great is that? But then on the other hand, I have the same record collection essentially as anybody else now, right? And that kind of sucks, right? right? Like when we talk about the old, like going to the, movie, the video store and picking it, oh, I have, the, like there was something really cool about, oh, my friend has, you should see his movie right. collection. It defined it. Or you yeah. should define us, like, right? And, yeah. and it was like, it took effort and money and time and like, you really, like an affection for stuff. And and now that's, like it's gone, which in some ways is cool because I like the fact that, and it makes, it makes the process of doing certain things easy. If I want to reference something, it's there. I don't have to like, shit, like I have to wait for the store to open tomorrow and maybe they have it and then I can get, <laughs> you know, so yeah. that stuff's great, but. But I do hate the fact that it's changed, like the value of everyone has sort of become the same now. And Agree. I think that's like, that's kind of takes the fun out of what it was to like love something, right? Like it was, you know, like I was always took pride in like my album collection or my DVD collection, but now they're just like in boxes. Like who cares? <laughs> you know, like I'm not going to go look through my DVDs when I can, oh, it's on Netflix. Right, right. right. You know? So, you know, I, I definitely have like... But but that's only because I have mixed feelings only because I've existed in both times, right? So anyone who's like nineteen, they're not conflicted. They like, what's the problem, dude? You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> but they are they are missing out on that tangible experience of having to give a shit, right? About going to a library and finding the one book on that one thing you're trying to look up. Yeah. Whereas now I can just whip out the phone and, and do it. That passion is, I'm, I'm actually worried about that with our kids. I mean, we got four yeah. young kids. I worry about kids growing up without having the experience of having to really care about something. Yeah. Because yeah. just because something's easy, like it, it doesn't make it like there's something about something that's difficult or you suffer a little bit or, or patience, right. To, right. to get something or to see something or, you know, like that. Sure. Yeah. It's earned to, yeah. you know, you earn that knowledge. 
Yeah, so I don't know what the question was, but <laughs> well, we got it. Yeah. Well, but you know, again, being a band today, being any band today, luckily the live performance and getting people to a concert is one thing that you can't recreate the experience of being. Yeah, at a show, you no. just hope that people care, like you know what I mean, because it is. It, there's so much, like you know, I used to, I used to like be confused why, like my kids when they were young, younger, didn't like want to play with action figures, but then I realized like. Well, would I have wanted to play with action figures when this video game, like I can be Spider-Man and like, it's just like, would I really want to be like bouncing a plastic toy around on the, on the kitchen table? You know what I mean? Like I kind of get it. Yeah. But for, you know, anyone who's had, you know, that was all their only option. Yeah. I mean, my God, I remember like there was so little stuff when I was, I used to cut, I'm so pathetic. Like I used to cut out like pictures of like, like if I like comic, like I would cut out pictures of of the superheroes and like glue them on like a piece of cardboard and make yeah, my yeah. own <laughs> action figure. Cause it, it wasn't like, again, it was this idea that everything wasn't at your fingertips. Like mm-hmm. you had to like, you know, but see that right there, that imagination is priceless, man. That's what led to all this band TV show, everything. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's what I'm saying that, it, I mean, there will always be people who are driven and creative and do, but yeah, I wonder what the long term like residual effect we'll, we'll see be. Yeah, oh, yeah we'll of, see of, scary of, of like because yeah it's like why would i want to do that i got this and like you know when when you had to do stuff right you had to find a way and i mean i'm you know again i'm i'm, I'm confident there will always be right right you know people who have passion and drive but sure but th- i mean again we go back to movies that need to find out how the fuck am i going to make this happen is what gave us sam raimi and evil dead it's people trying to star wars and they're oh we're going to glue this camera piece to this other thing and make a lightsaber because that's what's around that spirit of innovation created some of the best things that you know our world has to offer yeah. Yeah. in the history of movies <laughs> and things right like in Dude. cinema yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. made from people going, fuck, how do I do this? Yeah. Dude, speak, speaking of, uh, did you see the remake to uh, Evil Dead? Uh, no. Uh, watch it. Yeah. Uh, Fede Alvarez directed it. Yes. Actually, yeah, really. Dude, good. the reason why he got that movie, he made a movie on YouTube called Panico Attacks. And yeah, it's just one of these guys who was discovered on YouTube, right? Like, made yeah, right. whatever, and then yeah. all of a sudden they give him the Evil Dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's never done anything no, else before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, th- I think it was Sam Raimi who, who got a hold of him. Yeah, yeah, it was. But, but yeah, from his home computer in uh, Argentina, Paraguay, one of mm-hmm. those countries in South mm-hmm. America, mm-hmm. 300 bucks on his computer, he made an alien invasion movie mm-hmm. in his hometown. It's really cool. Yeah. It's mind-blowing, man. So Sam Raimi caught notice, and it's like, wait, this guy's got to come make movies. And that's the thing that didn't exist back then. Right now, you can self-broadcast and promote yourself and build a world for yourself, you know, that you never have access to. Being in a band now, I'm curious about this because, you know, being in the radio world, what role does radio play in being a band now? Yeah, that's a good question, because I think we still, a piece, it's definitely not as important it's not yeah it's not the be all end all as i mean it was, definitely right? not for a rock band right like a heavy rock band like i think that obviously if you're drake you know or you know and you're getting played on every single pop station you know it's important right because yeah. but i find that like you know especially like i don't know radio people we're like we would be considered like active rock right which is a, a format of heavier rock and yeah. if you're and you probably know the numbers better than anybody, but like if you're on like number one active rock you're probably getting spun couple thousand times a week across the country when you think about how little that is and how lucky somebody has to tune in to hear your song and you like at that moment and so i think it's become like it used to be like you know it was like it was mtv and radio that was it like if you got those you're 
you know, you're set. You know, things, but now, and I don't think, you know, talking about like this, whether it's technology, my kids don't, they don't listen to the radio. They find stuff, you know, it's on YouTube or, and so I don't know if anyone of a certain age really tunes into the radio, maybe satellite radio, but I think it's all about just Spotify and YouTube and whatever, you know, I just, I just don't know. I don't really know how much it matters anymore, like how much it moves the needle for somebody, you know, I mean, it's important. It's part of the game. You want to rather be on the radio than not on the radio, but I don't think it determines success anymore like it used to. Like it used to be, that was it. Like you needed a record deal and get on the radio. And if you didn't do that, you were just going to be unknown, you know, but now there are bands and artists that I haven't even heard of who like, it's weird. That's another thing that's happened, right? With success coming from all these alternative things. Like you'll find some artists and you're like, I've never even heard this person before, but they're like selling out the will turn or something, you know? And you're like, how is that even possible? I don't know who these people are. You know what I mean? But then you have other bands that are like number one active rock and they're drawing 50 people at a club. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. You know, I don't know what it is that's moving the success needle for people, but it's definitely changed for sure. I mean, I'm sure you know that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's completely. And there's, there's also a lot of really weird crossover, too. You'll get something uh, at an active rock station, an alternative rock station. Because of the way people consume music now, the genres get crossed and you'll get a band like 21 pilots that starts at an alt station. And then if it goes up to number one, it flips over to the CHR station, right? People in that world embrace them. And then it, it takes it all in a new direction, which that's never happened before. Music's being almost less compartmentalized as far as just the way people digest it and consume it. So the genres seem to be blurring, which is interesting to me. It just, it, it's not the be all end all. There's so many different ways of getting to the music. You know, you can't argue that it's the most important way. Well, and it, yeah, it's, it's similar to the, the action figure analogy. Like, why would you play with this plastic tool? Why would you listen to a commercial station and you have to sit through 15 minutes of commercials to maybe hear a song that you might like to, when you, you know, you have it, you can just listen to it. Again, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's, uh, it's definitely the new way. You know? Right. Well, people are still, I mean, obviously being exposed to your music all over the place, putting out a bunch of new videos for this album that are great. Sid Vicious in the Dress. It's well, it's funny how the, I mean, like, look, the internet has become the weird, like, time eraser. I see it all the time. Like, people, like, tweeting something or, or commenting on a video, like, that they've just found out about your band. It's like, we've been around for so <laughs> Like, how are you just now? But that's what, but that, ha- I mean, I'm sure I'm guilty of it too. Like, I'm sure I'm watching some video on YouTube and then there's another one recommended. I'm like, oh, well, I've never heard of this. Yeah. And then, and so it's kind of a cool thing where it's just you, and I see it when we go out live, you'll see young kids and you're like, and you know, the only way they're finding out about it is like on YouTube or whatever. So it's, it's sort of keeping the age, you know, sure, the yeah. age of the crowd lower, <laughs> which is good, right? You don't ever want to go and play a show and be like, you know, half of these guys are going to be dead next time we tour, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. You wanna, you know, so it's nice to see like kids discovering stuff. And when you find it, it's all in an equal playing field. Exactly. Right? Yeah, like yeah. my kid... He's six, discovered the specials. Yeah. yeah, can you imagine? Can you believe <laughs> yeah. that he's obsessed with he's playing he plays drums now. He's playing Message to You Rudy and Ghost Town. And it's like you're six. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know who the fucking specials were when I was six. And he's playing their songs on the drums, which is to me that's amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Because if if no one did that, no kids discover that well the specials are they'd be gone. Yeah. And no one would listen to them. Yeah. And so, and that's, you know, yeah. Cause it, because before you go in a record store and like, 
you'd see the bargain bin of the old bands and you would avoid that like the plague, right? And go yeah. for the new stuff. But now like, I don't feel like it, it doesn't feel that way when people find stuff, you know, and I'm sure there are kids finding stuff that think like if the specials, oh, they're like brand new band. Like they must all be like 20 years old. Exactly. He's like right. so yeah. confused because he sees like the old videos and then he'll see like a live video and he's like, it's not the same person. Like, yes, it is. He's like, no, no. He's like so confused. It's funny. Cause it's he's funny. six. He well, let's be honest. Six year olds are confused about everything. Yeah. He, is so, he is so confused. So you're about to go on tour for like forever, right? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> Not forever, but yeah, we're leaving. Uh, well, I don't know when this airs, so we're leaving soon, right. and we'll be. Yeah, we're doing like a four week run, and then cool. be back. I mean, we're trying to cram in some touring before Christmas, so I can buy some, you know, Christmas presents and stuff. So. <laughs> nice, and nice. then you know, it's it's crazy because this is the quote unquote new album, but man, just come October, it's going to be out for a year already. Wow. So you start thinking about like, Shh, I'm going to start doing another one, maybe you know, and just working on some new stuff but yeah we're gonna do do a good amount of touring over the next few months just to, to get out with it because we haven't really done that much touring in this album because it came out in october right so we did one tour and then it was like you know the holidays so you kind of generally stay off the road and i i've made the mistake for the past three years to go tour in like january and it's just like the worst so i'm like you know what this year i think i'm gonna <laughs> Not be in South Dakota, right? Twenty <laughs> degrees below zero. So, yeah, we'll be out there. So you know, you can check all the usual sites. Yeah. <laughs> check, check my MySpace page. <laughs> yeah, there you go, your f- friendster. <laughs> Remember that when bands are check on MySpace page. <laughs> every stage, yeah, in every exactly, city. exactly. Are you going to be going um, back overseas or anything like that? Or I don't know. You know. I, I'd like to. It's it's something that we unfortunately uh, not avoided, but we we neglected so much in the early years that it's become like square one. Um, unless we get lucky enough to do festivals and stuff, but it would be nice to because you know, like the you do find there's a you know there is a, there's an enthusiasm level in other places that is it, it feels a little bit higher than in the U.S. for rock. You know, rock has been kind of like. It is unfortunately become, I mean, look, you know, you, nothing more than watch the Grammys and like they don't even mention rock music. You know what right. I mean? It's, it's weird. Which is that? kind of crazy. Like, I feel like I get it. Like you sort of like they, it's a TV show and they need, so of course you go where, but just like there should be a certain reverence for rock music that. Like we don't really need five rap awards. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like could you throw us like a bone? Right, and like, exactly. And then they always try to. Well, we we had Sting. Like, <laughs> like, Gee, thanks. You know, like drag Sting out every couple of years. You know, so <laughs> look, I'm back there. <laughs> You know, it's like, it just would be nice because I feel like maybe it's one of the, like if they had a cool band on, maybe some kids might be like, whoa, that's different. Like, exactly. You know, and it's just like, they just don't do it. Like it's in their band. There are massive bands, you know, that are out there. It doesn't, know? it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, Honestly, I, I can't explain it. To not even have one award on TV for rock music is is really insulting, right? Yeah. To yeah. the history of popular music. Sure. Just like, exactly. But I mean, I don't know if it'll change or not. It's hard to say. I mean, I feel, you know, everyone's like, oh, it'll come back around. And, and it's probably true. There's probably some kid right now, maybe playing the specials on the drums that, yeah. will, <laughs> that will be like, you know, do something and everyone will be like, whoa, this is, this is awesome. And right. But again, it's about effort, right? Like, so back to what we were talking about, like it takes effort to like, 
have a band and learn a, how to play guitar and it takes a lot more effort than not that other forms of music don't take effort but you know it's like when you hear a lot of like modern rap and stuff it's let's be honest <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't think there's a ton of effort going <laughs> right right it's phone it's a lot of weed smoking <laughs> in yeah exactly yeah. it's like a super basic track and just kind of like whatever right. auto-tuned on top and it's like and i'm not saying that, you know i'm not judging the music i'm just saying that to be in a, a band is you know real band is it's it's fucking work you yeah know? it is well we said 20 to 40 we're now at one hour and 45 <laughs> okay. minutes anybody got any, <laughs> any question any last questions for spider sorry sorry i'm sorry that goes no this is awesome goes, i love story it. took no, way too long that was golden. Oh, that was golden. I, I just feel i feel bad yeah. for keeping you i, 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 I could keep bad. you here all day i think we bad. might I feel bad for christine because she's like so we're gonna get some dinner right right right, right. <laughs> like, so you're never doing a podcast right, exactly exactly ever shut up yeah who is Christine, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we owe our dinner at Don Cuco's. <laughs> yeah, yeah Don Cuco's. Right. Is that where you guys are going? Since we, I don't know. <laughs> since we did talk about Christine so much, she is in a band called Knee High Fox, and her new record just came out. So everyone, go check that out. Jawbreaker. Nice. Now I won't be in trouble. Hopefully. <laughs> Congrats, Christine. <laughs> well, I know you're a big sci-fi and horror fan. Hmm. Do you have a sci-fi horror? movie that you like that's of a favorite of course maybe you could tell us the first alien movie is the best that's one ever oh, yeah that's great i mean it really is yeah it's it's sort of like one of the best horror movies ever made and one of the best science fiction movies yeah. ever yeah. made. I, I feel like that that's my favorite like uh, in terms of that uh that combo and it's still just you watch it still and it's like it holds up nothing's wrong with it it's mm-hmm. one of those like perfect movies to me yeah classic i agree your beer beans art and all that and sci-fi and horror is there anybody like Giger, since he did you know, the original mm. alien design and all that, is there anybody out there that you've seen in the Comic Cons that you're like, man, I would love to have oh. this guy design my, my set for my tour? Or, you uh, know. Not that I can. Uh, do you have somebody in mind that you're thinking? Because I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, have you seen my sketches? He's <laughs> 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 got them under the table. <laughs> we can do a lot of he things. does this every episode. I can't draw, man. <laughs> yeah, I, can't I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't. Not off the top of my head that I can't. Because I'm not. I can't say I'm like all that schooled in in that end of stuff. Like you know, everyone knows Giger. Like you know, but uh, I don't know if there's. Any, I'm sure there's. You know, you know, I was always, in, you know, definitely in terms of comics, much more into the art than the, I wouldn't, I don't even think I ever read them. I bought hundreds of comics as a kid. I would just look at the page. Yeah. You know, I, was like, <laughs> I was always like, just so, so obsessed with the, the art of it all. And that's what I always wanted to do. It takes so, so many drawings. I just, I don't think I have the, the patience for it. You yeah. could purchase your own Spider One art at spideronearth.com. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you can see why, because so, you know why I can't do comics because it's just like all splattery and messy. And, oh, dude, those paintings are awesome. Yeah, some Frankenstein. Well, I, uh, there's an Amy Winehouse up there. Yeah. I actually did just draw a comic. Actually, I lied. I just did one. I, I got inspired because we were watching End of the Fucking World on Netflix. Have oh, you seen that? No, I have not. Yeah, it's great. really great. Yeah. So, so I'm like, this show's great. And then I and I was in the credits like based on the comic book i'm like god damn it i'm gonna draw a fucking comic book (laughs) (laughs) so christina just got me a uh the ipad pro where you can draw i'm like holy shit this is this is this is where technology i'm like i'm good with this because that was what would always stop me because paper and pen you mess up fuck i start again and this is just like it feels like really drawing so i did this I banged out like 40 pages. Holy oh, shit. shit. <laughs> in, like, in like a month right. of this wow. really weird comic idea that I, if you don't want to talk for another hour and 45, I'll <laughs> just leave it at that. But yeah, wow. so, but, uh, so I'm, I'm sort of like getting, yeah, back into that whole scene again. 
That's that's oh, awesome. I'm excited for that, man. That's awesome. All right, everybody, good. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank, thank you. So thank you. Thank you. Seriously, thank it was you. amazing. Awesome. You have to cut it. This is gonna be like a four part. <laughs> <laughs> We're good for the rest of the year now. <laughs> Take that, Chris Hardwick. <laughs> <laughs> got a wonderful defense mechanism you don't dare kill it this was the boo crew podcast episode number 16 special thanks to our guest spider one follow him at spider one that's s-p-i-d-e-r-o-n-e and at official powerman 5000 on instagram official powerman 5000 on facebook also check the art of spider one.com also on facebook get their latest album new wave everywhere and see them live whenever you get the opportunity it means so much to us if you get a sec to head to itunes rate and write a quick review for this show if you've already gone and done that thank you so much it really helps the show grow and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that support over to insta now sweet screams to our friends at sugarman gallery the always awesome rachel z buckman aaron day miss scarlet sacrilege amanda johnson night prowler video thank you for keeping the conversation going and thank you for listening and being such an important part of the show and our boo crew family trev for the boo crew saying see you on the other side just a minute ladies and gentlemen i think something is happening Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. Fuck a duck.